begun arriving in the worst affected districts, but aid agencies say they still face huge problems distributing them. A couple who were caught on a spy camera dumping fish and chip wrappers in a lay-by near Aylesbury have been fined more than £200. The local council used the footage from the hidden camera in the village of Kingsley to trace the registered keeper of the vehicle through the DVLA. Tony Fisher has more. The couple from Slough pleaded guilty to littering offences under Section 87 of the Environmental Protection Act 1990. The Waste Partnership for Buckinghamshire said they'd prefer not to say how many cameras are deployed in the county. They did say, though, that cameras targeting known fly-tipping hotspots operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week. A year since a fire at a recycling yard in Hertfordshire, residents and emergency services have raised fears about it happening again. The fire closed the M1 motorway at Potter's Crouch near St Albans and hundreds of homes were left without electricity and water. Ian Markwell from Hertfordshire Fire Service says although thousands of tonnes of wood are still being cleared from the sites, it is still a serious hazard. As it decomposes, there will be a build-up of heat and eventually that heat may get to a point where it does spontaneously combust within the pile. A Bedfordshire charity is alerting internet users about the risk of being caught out by websites which prove to be imitations of official sites. Age concern Luton was contacted by a local resident who paid nearly £30 for renewing his wife's driving licence on what he mistakenly thought was the DVLA official website. The charity is now hoping to get the money reimbursed. International football returns to Milton Keynes this evening as England under-21s take on Finland at Stadium MK. 17,000 tickets have been sold. There's commentary on the game tonight on BBC Three Counties Frequency 104.5 FM from half past seven. And the weather, there'll be a few showers this morning but it will become dry for the rest of the day with some sunny spells too. It will feel cold with maximum temperatures expected of 11 degrees Celsius. That's 52 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. We're coming to towns and villages all across our counties. I like the centre of it in the parkway. The town centre is still a lovely old town centre. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. To this day it's beautiful to me. All this week in Wellin Garden City. I like the Stanborough Lakes where they, you know, you've got the lakes, you can take the children to play. Local and vocal. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up on the show this morning, including a new survey suggests that 38% of you have no idea that you have a police and crime commissioner. Well, we'll do our best to reduce that to about, ooh, 37%. 37.7, I'd be happy with. A couple have been fined 150 quid each for chucking their chip wrappers in an Aylesbury lay-by. They were caught on hidden camera. Fair cop or dirty tactics? And John McCrick was sacked because of his attitude, not his age. It's official. Well, has the British public's love affair with the grumpy old man really come to an end? Have you got any sympathy with him at all? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555.
across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Yes, yes, James Whale fans, stay tuned. My voice is on the way out again, again. Apparently, well, according to a doctor, I say doctor, I mean Kelly Betts who works here, I've got asthma. How, how, how can she diagnose asthma? Eh? Anyway, I've, I've, I don't know if this is uh, good medical advice or not, but I've just borrowed her inhaler. No. What, what, you say no, why? You shouldn't do that anyway. What, well, no, I'm not suggesting that the listener does, but I'm in desperate, desperate dire straits here. But you're taking a medicine for a condition you probably don't have. Kelly says I've got it. Yeah, have you seen her medical qualifications? They're shoddy at best. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll why wait four five nine four double five five double five if you want to berate me for using someone else's medicine? Now, these those crazy police and crime commissioners are. Huh? Everyone's got an opinion on them. Oh, hang on, no, they don't. A BBC poll has found that thirty eight percent of people who have a PCC don't have a clue that they exist. Catherine Boyle's been looking into this. Catherine, what's going on? Well, this survey's been conducted to coincide with the election of police and crime commissioners exactly a year ago. I knew it felt special this morning, yes. didn't you? Back then, voter turnout nationwide was just over 15%, uh, a figure that led former Labour Home Secretary Charles Clark to say this meant that those elected had no mandate to lead. But Ollie Martins for Bedfordshire, David Lloyd for Hertfordshire and Thames Valley's Anthony Stansfeld, of course, would disagree. And if you were listening yesterday, you'll have heard them defending their position in the roundtable discussion on the JVS show. Here's what Ollie Martins had to say about those elections. The election that led to our taking office was organised in completely calamitous circumstances. I mean, most elections for an office like that, you know, Member of Parliament, Mayor, Member of the European Parliament, candidates are given the facility of sending a communication to each household or each elector actually um, we didn't we didn't get that we didn't get that facility so pamphlets would have made all the difference would have made the difference brings up to date this survey that suggests 38 percent of people who have a commissioner in their area are completely unaware of the fact that's a disaster for them isn't it it is, because the whole point of this position was to put a face and to have a figurehead for what can be quite a, f- a faceless organisation. Our reporter Justin Dealey has been talking to people in Luton. Does crime concern you where you live in Bedfordshire? Yes, it does. We're in Luton. Murders, um, killings, stabbings, shootings concerns us very much. So crime is clearly a major issue. So the name Ollie Martins, does that mean anything to you at all? No. He's the Bedfordshire Police and Crime Commissioner. It's just a bit bizarre, though, how you are so concerned about where you live with a crime and you don't know who he is or, or what he does. No, sorry, I've never heard of him. And I work for the council as well, but I've never heard of this person. Gerard, PCC, what does that term mean to you? I've forgotten. It's personal. I'm not quite sure. Sir, the name Ollie Martins... Does that mean anything to you at all? Never heard of it. <laughs> or him. <laughs> He's the Bedfordshire Police and Crime Commissioner. Never heard of it. Jerry, question for you. PCC, what does that stand for? Police and Crime Commissioner. You're the first person in an hour who knew that answer. So who is your local PCC? Uh, Oliver something. Ollie. Ollie, I don't know his surname. It's Ollie Martins. That would be him, okay. yeah. Do you care what he does? Um, I think he's a waste of money. I thought Chief Constable should be doing what he's doing, surely. Another tier of hierarchy. I mean, do you know anybody who has ever written to their local PCC or spoken to their local PCC? I don't know anybody that voted for a PCC, let alone spoken to or written to them. I think it's, it's just a name. It doesn't seem to do anything. 
Ah, not brilliant. No, and to be honest, Paul Scoynes, our political reporter, went out and did a very similar survey yesterday, this, uh, this time with a photograph asking people right. whether they recognised this man. I think about two people recognised right. David Lloyd, the rest of them. It was pretty much like this. Um, you will not be surprised that the Commissioner's had an answer for this one too. First up, let's hear from Thames Valley's Anthony Stansfeld. Uh, yes, I'd obviously like to be recognised more. I'm obviously not a big enough show-off. Um, but I have, um, I cover 21 parliamentary constituencies, which is a huge area and two and a quarter million people. And it will take time. I can't do it overnight. Um, I think more people now recognise who I am and what I do, but you ask an awful lot of people who their local MP is, and they won't know that either. And the PCC for Hertfordshire, David Lloyd, who, to be honest, got a bit personal. Un unlike Three Counties radio presenters, I don't put the uh, my face on the back of every <laughs> Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire. But um, clearly, oh, well, let's calm down. between people knowing what the role does and knowing what the face is. Calm yep. down, lads. <laughs> We're having a bit of banter. It's all very jolly, isn't it? But that won't necessarily wash with uh, rank and file officers. Here's Neil Olston. He's from the Hearts Police Federation. Certainly in the days of the police authority, um, and, and generally, uh, people tend to get their information from their feedback from the public from uh, public meetings and, and local crime panels and uh, and things like that which generally it's not the people that receive our service turn up to uh, the, the people that we we give our service to are largely the underprivileged in the in the county um, and and don't and the disengaged um, the people that live next door to the drug dealers don't go to those sort of functions so we did suggest to mr lloyd that actually he, he would uh, he should broaden his uh, his consultation on, on policing matters to include those sort of people and I, I must admit I'm ignorant as to whether or not he's done that but I suspect not uh, and I suspect it's, uh, it's a round of uh, public meetings with the great and the good um, with people saying the same sorts, sorts of things that they have always said uh, which actually doesn't reflect an awful lot of what our members deal with day in day out. So that's uh, what uh, the situation is this morning. We'll be catching up with a number of different organisations in the course of today, but you're welcome to give us a call. Yes, you listening out there, 08459 455555. Are you going to join in, Ian? If there's a gap for me to get in, <laughs> I will do.
I had a great moment at work yesterday. First one, I've been here every year, first one. I was coming downstairs to go home and Gareth, Gareth Lloyd, who presents uh, the BBC Introducing Show, he saw me coming in, he came in and he said, ah, Ian, how you doing? Oh, yeah, I'm great, Gareth. Fine. What's, how are you? He was silent. He started to leave the building. I said, do you, want me, do you want me to follow you? He looked at me over his shoulder and nodded. So this all happened yesterday. And he had his head down. It's not, it's, no, it's not very often you see Gareth being humble. He was very humble. And he's walking through the car park and he says, Ian, I've got some bad news. I've bumped into your car. Scratched the side of it. I was silent. I was silent. I said nothing. Silent. My car's right at the end of the car park. We walked up to my car. We walked past my car and went to another car. He said, I'm, I'm really sorry I've scuffed this. I went, oh, flipping it, Gareth, you flipping idiot. It's not my car. And I got in mine and drove off. <laughs> it was a wonderful moment. Whose car was it? Who was driving a big blue Jeep yesterday? I don't know. I'm offended that Gareth would think I would drive something as ostentatious as that when I was driving my little, little silver polo. It was a wonderful moment. I felt bad, he felt bad, then I felt good, he felt bad and stupid. I win. BBC Three Counties Radio, let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Things are quite quiet out there this morning at the moment. The speed centres aren't picking up any major problems. Luton is already looking a little busy northbound heading towards the centre of town on the A505. That's Windmill Road. And then also going through Harpenden on the Luton Road. It's a little bit busy in both directions. Cameras are showing that things are looking clear on the major, major motorways, though. This is Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. Right, 6.16, it's Thursday the 14th of November. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A BBC poll to mark one year on from the election of police and crime commissioners has found a lack of awareness about them. A senior US commander in the Philippines says America's launching an unprecedented effort to help the 11 million people affected by last week's devastating typhoon. International football returns to Milton Keynes this evening as England under-21s take on Finland at Stadium MK. And the weather today, there'll be a few showers this morning, but it will become dry for the rest of the day with sunny spells too. Maximum temperature, 11 degrees Celsius. Coming up, litter. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. BBC Children in Need. Cometh, East Enders. Cometh, call the midwife. Cometh, strictly come dancing. Cometh, Doctor Who. Cometh, Harry Hill, Catherine Tate, and One Direction. Cometh, the night. Cometh, the heroes. Be a hero. Join in with BBC Children in Need tomorrow night from half past seven on BBC One and BBC One HD.
You're not the only 
morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, fish and chip wrappers stink. That's a fact. That's a fact. You cannot deny that. And it's all very nice when you're eating them in your car. By the way, I was given some very posh cheeses yesterday. I had them in the boot of my car for an afternoon. My car now stinks of posh cheeses. Thanks, guys. They tasted delicious, though. Uh, but uh, it's nice when you're eating fish and chips in your car. Almost as nice as when you're strolling along the prom on a windswept summer's evening. But once those chips have gone, the odour is frankly a menace. Well, one couple from Slough yeah, dealt with the stink by chucking their wrappers in an Aylesbury lay-by. They would do that kind of thing if they were from Slough. Where they were caught on hidden camera and fined £150 each. Well, Justin Dealey is our Greece correspondent. Good morning, Justin. Good <laughs> morning, Ian. What more do we know about this? Well, uh, the couple pleaded guilty to uh, the Littering Offences Act under Section 87 of the Environmental Protection Act 1990, which is yeah. a mouthful. One of my favourites. Yes, um, these, as you say, are hidden cameras. Aylesbury Vale District Council. They traced the vehicle through the DVLA. Some would say the fine is slightly harsh, but the council say there is no excuse for littering, and we hope that by raising awareness of this particular incident, potential litterers will think twice before committing an offence, and they're going to be on your show later. I think 150 quid, Justin, is is the bare minimum. I'd I'd like to see it doubled. I mean, obviously... For litter, doubled. Yeah. I mean, these sort of cases that that we often talk about are for people that that, that turn up in a lay-by and have got a whole car full of rubbish and they just chuck it in the lay-by. This is quite an unusual one for me, because we're talking about fish and chip wrappers. Disgusting. it, It is disgusting, but of course it it's, it's nothing compared to somebody who is unloading their vehicle in a lay-by. Sorry, it's not. Yes, it's not fly tipping, but it is. Listen, my my car is full of Ginsters packets and and sandwich packets. What I'll do is, at some point, probably in the next th- three or four months, I will get a plastic bag or two, mm. and I will put them all in there, and then I will put them in a rubbish bin. There is no excuse for doing this. No, absolutely. I think you're absolutely right there. There is no excuse for doing this, but it's just um, it's a, a slightly smaller crime, let's say, compared to some of the ones we have heard of in laybys in the past. The thing that interests me about this in particular is the fact that it was a hidden camera. People, mm. they were being spied on. What, what do people think about spying on little outs? Well, we've been to Aylesbury to get people's views on this, and uh, here's what they've had to say. Very good idea, because uh, if they fly tip, someone else has to, um, has to come and clear it away. Costs the council's a lot of money and uh, we have to pay everyone has to pay again money well spent yeah i don't think they should be used and um, as it's if someone's on your privacy yeah no i wouldn't like it i think there's other ways you could go about to stop that from happening yeah people patrolling and going around i think it's an excellent idea and we should do more of it well i, th- I think we've got to catch these people because they're just being rude and unkind to the landowners and everybody else aren't they i think they've got to be taught a lesson I think it's a bad thing. I think it's a little bit over the top, to be honest with you. Cameras do have their uh, reasons to be in there, but for somebody throwing rubbish into a lava, I, I think it's a bit a bit much. For somebody who actually sat there operating the cameras, trying to spot people throwing rubbish away, I think it's a bit too much. OK, really. mixed reaction there. Campaign groups, Justin, and w- what do they think? Well, an organisation called No CCTV. Can you guess what they've had to say? Um, um, yes. Uh, they say they're against these cameras uh, because uh, this builds a construction of a total surveillance society. Oh, well, get, they, over, get over yourself, you losers. You've got nothing to hide, I suppose. Uh, they say local authorities have been doing this sort of thing for a while now. Uh, it's the provision in the Protection of Freedoms Act 2000 
2012. Now, that was meant to stop local authorities using hidden cameras. The Home Office, they recommend that, yes, if you are going to be using this type of CCTV, it should be confined to cases where the offence under investigation carries a custodial sentence of six months or more. Now, in this case, of course, that's clearly not the case, is it? Where's, where's my freedom to sit in a lay-by that is free from litter and rubbish and chip wrappers and, and uh, used beds and things like that? Well, you just hope that the general public wouldn't do that. But, but they where, do, though, but Justin. We know they freedom, do. Though? Where's your freedom to sit in that lay-by, have your fish and chips in peace and quiet, and then move on? Because you, of course, you wouldn't litter, but your freedom's gone because you're being watched in. Do we know how many secret cameras there are in Buckinghamshire for this this sort of thing? Well, the Waste Partnership for Bucks, uh, they would prefer not to say I how bet many they cameras would. Yes, yeah. are being deployed. Um, they did say cameras operate in these hot spots 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They do say, though, there are warning signs that are displayed around the target location. So it's not a case of you just sitting there and having no idea that there will be warning signs there. And uh, they can also, of course, uh, um, bring to light other cases. So uh, it's not the first time that somebody has been caught in a lay-by in Buckinghamshire, drug dealing. That information is then passed on to the police and they can prosecute. So it's not just for litter, it's for all crimes. Hang on a second, I've just thought how this will impact my life. Supposing I'm driving home, me and my missus are driving home, and I'm really, really tired, mm. and I want to pull over for a little bit of nookie. <laughs> then, then what's going to happen then? They're going to oh, film that? Yeah, That's yeah. going to be doing the rounds at the council. It'll be on YouTube, and of course your freedom's <sighs> gone, Ian. You can't right. do that, I'm afraid. But then again, you would be breaking the law. What, for having a bit of nookie? Well, you know, if you, you we, it's, it's a public place, isn't it? You can't do that. Kiss and a cuddle, that's what I'm talking well, about, if Justin. It's, if it's a kiss and a cuddle, that's get, fine. get your mind out of the gutter. Filthy. I'm talking about. 0845. Litter is one of those, is one of my bugbears. It's one of those things. We do it on the show quite often because it really annoys me. It's something so simple that we can all change. Just don't, there's never an excuse to throw something on the floor. There's never an excuse. There'll be a bin sooner. If you're in your car, just chuck it in the back. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Is there ever an excuse for litter? No, there's not. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Major problems on public transport this morning. London Midland have a service suspended between Tring and Euston. Milton Keynes to Euston services will call at Apsley and Kings Langley and there are delays of up to 30 minutes on all services. Southern trains aren't running between Milton Keynes and Watford Junction and they also have those 30 minute delays. Virgin trains have delays of up to 30 minutes between Milton Keynes and Euston as well. All of those are expected until 9 o'clock this morning. The roads are looking clear though. Speed sensors aren't picking up any problems and the cameras are showing that the major routes are looking clear. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. half past six, I'm Barry Caffrey. The headlines, a BBC poll to mark one year on from the election of police and crime commissioners has found a lack of awareness about them. 38% of people who responded did not even know that they had commissioners in their area. A senior US commander in the Philippines says America's launching an unprecedented effort to help the 11 million people affected by last week's devastating typhoon. It's feared around 10,000 people died and 6,000 were made homeless. 
A couple who were caught on a spy camera dumping fish and chips wrappers in a lay-by near Aylesbury have been fined more than £200. The local council used the footage from a hidden camera to trace the registered keeper of the vehicle through the DVLA. And the weather, there'll be a few showers this morning, but it will be mainly dry for the day with some sunny spells around two. It will feel cold, though, with maximum temperatures of 11 degrees Celsius. That's 52 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. International football returns to Milton Keynes this evening as England under-21s take on Finland at Stadium MK. Simon Oxley looks ahead. It's the third time England have played an under-21 international at Stadium MK and over 17,000 tickets have been sold for tonight's game. Gareth Southgate's squad includes Watford keeper Jonathan Bond, former Hornets loanee Nathaniel Chalabar and Thomas Ince, son of the former MK Dons manager Paul Ince. Other names to watch out for are Manchester United's Wilfred Zahar and Liverpool's Raheem Sterling. And there's commentary from Stadium MK tonight on 104.5 FM from half past seven and via the BBC Sport website. England's cricketers are batting on day two of their final warm-up match ahead of the Ashes. England dismissed an Australia Invitational 11 for 304 runs. In reply, they are currently 204 for three. The England captain Alistair Cook made 81 runs and Jonathan Trott made 83, but Michael Carberry made just four. Dan Carter will play in his 100th Test match after being named at fly half in New Zealand's team to face England this Saturday. The former All Blacks hooker Sean Fitzpatrick feels their forwards are in better shape now than they were when they lost 38-21 against England last autumn. They're probably 15% better than what they were last year. Um, I think they got taught a lesson last year by England and, and hopefully... We won't have the same issues in the collision area as we had last year where, as Graham Roundtree um, has put quite rightly, he said uh, we took them on and came out on top. London 2012 Olympic gold medalist Etienne Stott is to be presented with an honorary degree by the University of Bedfordshire. The slalom canoeist, alongside his canoeing partner Tim Bailey, became the first Briton to achieve an Olympic gold in the sport. Stott will receive his honorary Doctor of Science on the 22nd of November. Golf Henrik Steinsen's hoping a wrist injury won't stop him from becoming the first player to win the FedEx Cup and race to Dubai in the same year. Stenson leads the European Tour going into Dubai's Tour Championship final. Play is underway in Dubai and Rory McIlroy is the early leader. He's three under par after four holes of his first round. BBC Three Counties Radio News and Sport. I'll be back with more at seven. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee. She's Catherine Boyle. Hi. There we go. Uh, Tim is... Uh, Tim, good morning, Tim. Good morning, Ian. How are you? I'm, I'm losing my voice. It sounds like it. Yeah, I know, and I'm, I'm really annoyed. I'm, I'm having to cancel work this weekend. So when I, when I lose my voice, I lose money. I'm, I'm desperately trying to make sure that I don't have to cancel any shows next week here, BBC Three Counties Radio. I wouldn't want to foist James Whale upon you again. <laughs> uh, it's a joke. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's going. That's annoying. I used, I used, I used um, Kelly Betts' asthma inhaler today. That, that'll be all right, won't it? Well, you sound like Barry White. There we go, you see. It's going to get the ladies <laughs> the ladies excited. What have you called in for, Tim? Uh, two things about fly chipping. Um, I'm an ex-enviro crime um, enforcement manager, and I've been in that trade mm-hmm. for many, many, many years. And I work predominantly around the London area. And there's two things I just want to quickly sort of discuss and share with you. Um, cigarette ends. 
yes. particular council I work for, costs them £2 million a year to clear up other people's cigarette ends. Um, a lot of people think it's a, uh, um, um, a, a particular um, issue, especially around transport hubs and things like that. £2 million? Yeah, £2 million a year to clear up other people's cigarette ends. Wowzers. Um, we dealt with that by way of fixed penalty notices. But the context I want to put it in, because people think it's quite pathetic, um, if you're in a car and you've uh, accumulated 30 or 40 cigarette ends in your ashtray, it's not uncommon to see a car door open and that being deposited. Oh, I've seen that. Seen it myself, yeah. yeah, yeah. And that that puts it into perspective when people are being given a fixed penalty notice. You know, it's not the council's waste, it's the person's waste. Tim, what do you think about hidden cameras in laybys? Absolutely fantastic. And my second point I want to make out is there is another offence, Section 33, under the Environmental Protection Act. It's in my top five yeah. favourites. Um, <laughs> now, I used uh, surveillance cameras to catch a major fly tipper in London, and it gained a lot of interest. Actually, BBC followed me around, and it was actually on BBC television oh. in a series called Filthy Rotten Scoundrels. Oh, I like that programme, yes. Yeah. I may have seen you. Yeah, I was... Uh, series 1, um, Episode 5. Now, yeah. this guy made millions of pounds through dumping tyres throughout London and home counties. Um, he did it over a nine-year period, and he dumped millions of tyres. That went all the way to Crown Court. The three concerned went to prison. Wow. So don't, don't do it, Tim. Listen, thank you very much for that. 08459 455 555. What have you found in the papers, Catherine? There's loads in the papers We'll do it after today. this song, oh. shall we? No, it's just, you know. We'll, we'll... Mind you, I do like this one. You've done it all.
Frustrating argument with my three and a half year old son last night. We're watching Giggle Biz. Yeah. Okay, which is a sketch show for kids. Series two. It's not as good. He's lost the plot a bit, Justin. It was always going to be difficult. He's left the BBC. He hasn't. Yeah, I believe he's left the BBC. Justin Fletcher. Mr. Tumble. What are we going to do? Well, he's going to make a load of money elsewhere in the commercial world. Anyway, so Giggle Biz, it's Mr. Tumble, Justin Fletcher playing all these different characters. They're all him. And my little boy's going, ah, I I like all these um, different actors. It's It's the same actor, different characters. No, no, no. It's different people. No, it's the same man. Well, that's a woman. No, that's the same... That's Mr Tumble. No, it's not. I was was getting really angry. I was virtually shaking him, slapping him, saying, come on, it's the same man. Saying that, I do like that woman who plays Aunt Polly in uh, Mr Tumble. What have, got, what, what have you got in the newspapers? Oh, you've well, made notes and everything. I what? have made some notes. Fury of spying the Bags family as police dismiss MI6 man's death as an accident. Parents insist coroner was right. Our son was unlawfully killed. That's on the front page of the Daily It's Mail. an incredible story. Describe how this man was found. This man was found inside a bag. Padlocked. In a bathtub. Is that right? Yeah. Dead. No, none of his DNA was on the bag, on the outside of the bag. And the police are going, oh, yeah, he did it himself. And this, this thing had been, the, the bag had been, with the person inside it, a 31-year-old, undiscovered in a red holdall in the bath of this Pimlico flat for a week before security services bosses raised the alarm. Now, bearing in mind he worked for MI6, right? Now, I don't want to say that MI6 got anything to do with this, but... They're full of spies. There's also the small matter of 10 to 15 DNA traces found in the apartment still unidentified. Yeah. But, you know, he did it himself. The number of times I found myself padlocked inside a bag uh, in the bath and going, oh, my God, I've done it again. How has this happened? Very suspicious. So odd. Very so suspicious. Odd. Um, also, fears grow for missing deputy head girl Ella, 15. That's all. I mean, I know it's all over social media as well. People desperately trying to find this girl. The, uh, the, the line-up for I'm a Celebrity has been announced. And uh, can I just say, I'll give a collective... <laughs> huh? Huh? What a disappointing line-up. Rebecca Adlington. Remember her? She uh, uh, won double bronze at the London 2012. Amy Williton, I'm guessing we're going to see her, her breasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably what she does. David Emmanuel from the 80s. Yeah. And Joey Essex. Oh, Layla Morse, who is Big Mo. Someone from Boyzone or Westlife. Matthew Wright. Lucy Pargeter from Emmerdale. And someone who I've disgusted with myself that I didn't recognise. Yeah, go on. Alfonso Ribeiro. Yep. He was Carlton, Carlton in The Fresh Banks. Prince of Bel-Air. And, and Stephen Davis. Let's just say it's going to be a really. Uh, it's not the most exciting lineup at initial glance, is it? It's a little uh, bit. Oh. And I was going to watch it all. Hey, do you want to buy a baby? Uh, not really. 250 quid? Mm, 
go to Salford. There are some Romanians trying to sell a baby. You're kidding me. No, according to uh, t- to the Daily Express. Do you want to buy this? Uh, do you want to buy this? It was a baby. How sick. Underneath, Hang on, it's part of the campaign to get rid of e- yes, EU migrants. It's under the banner, say no to EU migrants. Because they do stuff like this. A baby has been offered for sale at £250 in a suburb said to be beyond breaking point following an influx of Roma migrants. The bid to trade the newborn child for cash is said to have taken place amid an outbreak of drug dealing, teenage prostitution and gang, uh, gang intimidation. Hang on, this is an outbreak in Salford. Yes. I'm from Salford. Right. The outbreak's been going on for quite some time. OK. Next, the sun. Russell Brand's talking about some stuff. Yeah. Politics again. He does, doesn't he? And they are also talking about... Oh, they, they, there's your first glimpse of the bikini-clad Amy Willerton who's going to be in the jungle. There's a lot, there's a lot of photographs in the newspaper today. Maybe, uh, more, maybe it's because I'm a little bit high on, on Night Nurse. I don't know. There are a lot of photographs that are, are, are quite raunchy. And I would say inappropriate. Have you seen the picture of Kate Moss? No. Let me try and find... I mean, I've seen pictures of Kate Moss. There's a really... There's a a picture of Kate Moss today in the newspapers. And I saw it. Let me have a look at the... It'd be in the mail. And I saw it and I thought, oh, have you got... Have you got no shame or no decency? I know we've seen pretty much all of, of Kate Moss. But this one, it was full on... Oh, dressed as a Playboy bunny, crouched. Well, not even crouched, is she? She's, uh, she's, she's, she's prone. She's, she's assumed the position. And I just think, for goodness sakes, woman, have a... Oh, oh, she probably got paid, what, half a million pounds or something. But have a little bit of respect. I just think that's... Um, go and have a look, page 11 of the mail. I just think it's a little bit... Oh, dear. It's what she does. It's yeah. her thing. Uh, finally, he's off. John's a TV loser. Channel 4 oh. win £3 million case. Racing pundit John McCrick lost his £3 million age discrimination case against Channel 4 yesterday. That was age discrimination that I was trying to say. 73-year-old said he was sacked from Channel 4 Racing by anonymous suits and skirts seeking younger stars. But the central London Employment Tribunal ruled against him, saying his chauvinist views put off the audience. Surely that's what's made his career. The fact he's called them skirts well, is, is not... He in does his, it on purpose. ...is not in his favour. That is his act. And I, I, Well, let's see. Do you, do you have any sympathy, dear listener, for John McCrick? Do, do you think it's unfair that he was booted out? Do you, I mean, it's been proven it wasn't because of his age. That's what happens in TV. Your contract gets up for renewal... It gets renewed, or it doesn't get renewed. It's it's that's that's this business. I'm there afraid. is another point, isn't there, that you're working in a visual medium. So if your yep. face doesn't fit anymore for whatever reason, you're off. That's the deal. That's why you get should, paid an awful lot when you're on. Should we? I don't want. I don't want to look at. Um, no, let me. How can I phrase this delicately? I don't think I can. I would prefer to look at attractive young men and women presenting TV programmes than wrinkled old people. So you want the Sky Sports model. Oh, but they do have the occasional older man, distinguished older man. They have the distinguished older man, but I, I, would, I, I would prefer to see attractive young people on television. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm prepared to take a hit for the team and not be on TV anymore, if that is the rule. 08459 five, double, five. Can I just add something that all the papers have missed and I can't believe they've done this? Yes. Um, there's going to be a talk at the John O'Gaunt Golf Club uh, oh. near Potton on, on uh, Friday, 7pm. Oh, yeah. It's about Swifts. I mean, um. I don't know enough about Swifts. Frankly, it's a bird that I have no knowledge of, but Dr. Dick Newell is the world authority on it. He's going to be there. You'd be a fool to miss it. Friday? Friday, 7 you, o'clock. You fancy it? John O'Gaunt Golf Club, near Potton. I could do it, I could do it. do you fancy going to talk about Swifts? I, I don't speak enough about them, so yeah. OK, excellent stuff. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's I'll see you there then. Cheers, guys. Well, that's fun, isn't it? 08459 555. Any sympathy for uh, John McCurrick at all? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Lots of problems on public transport this morning. London, Midland, Southern and Virgin trains have delays of up to 30 minutes on all services heading into Euston. London, Midland, train to Euston services are suspended. Milton Keynes to Euston will call at Apsley and Kings Langley. On Southern, trains aren't running at all between Milton Keynes and Watford Junction. Those problems are expected until 9 o'clock this morning. London Overground have severe delays between Watford Junction and Euston as well. On the roads, the M25 anti-clockwise has traffic building between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. Also heavy between Junction 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. Right, it's uh, 6.47, it's Thursday the 14th of November, I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. 38% of adults don't know that their police and crime commissioners actually exist. That's according to a BBC poll carried out a year since PCCs were elected. A couple who were caught on a spy camera dumping fish and chip wrappers in a lay-by near Aylesbury have been fined uh, £150 each. In sport, England under-21s take on Finland this evening at Stadium MK. Full live commentary will be on our 104.5 FM frequency from 7.30. Coming up, there's a fake DVLA website. I'll tell you more about it after the weather with Elizabeth Rattini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. Well, we'll probably see a few showers around through the course of the morning. They're going to be blowing in on that northwesterly wind, which is really quite uh, quite brisk and quite a chilly one too. So don't be too surprised if you do catch a bit of wet weather through the morning brush and probably lasting on until about midday across parts of Buckinghamshire. Always a little bit cloudier here. But elsewhere, we've got uh, plenty of brightness and sunshine around and most places are going to stay dry and it does look like it will be dry everywhere as we head into the afternoon. Just a rather chilly northwesterly breeze everywhere again and this is going to make it feel cooler than the temperatures would otherwise suggest. So today we're up to 8 or 9 degrees, might even squeak up to 10, that's 50 in Fahrenheit, but it is going to feel colder than that because of that uh, that rather cold wind. So into this evening and overnight it will stay clear, it will be dry, the wind will ease down just a touch, so it is going to be a frosty start for many of us into tomorrow morning temperatures locally dipping as low as freezing, holding in the towns at probably around 2 or 3 degrees. And then tomorrow, a very crisp, dry autumn's day, lots of sunshine around very dry air, so we probably won't even see very much in the way of cloud at all. Uh, So, very pretty day tomorrow across the three counties. We'll start off the weekend, though, with some moist air. That means some frost and fog to start Saturday, but Saturday looking dry. Sunday, perhaps some outbreaks of just light rain into the afternoon. That's the forecast. Hi, yeah, 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 like you very much. I, 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 I think you're grand. Helen Lee. Next week is National Prisons Week, a way of promoting the needs of people involved in the judicial system. A lot of these people are not bad people. They, they've done bad things, but they're not bad people. I'll be starting our coverage this Sunday morning when I hear from ex-offenders. The situation I was in, I begged them to send me to prison. Partners, prison governors, judges and victims. And I was just totally stunned. I just sat and sat and sat. They all have very different points of view. But what's yours? Listen from six on Sunday morning and have your say. Helen Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. It's nice to see my younger sister doing well. Well done, Helen. Should be a good listen. Now, we're talking about PCCs. 38% of you don't know you've got them. Dave's in Luton. Morning, Dave. Good morning, Dave, what would you like to say? 
Um, firstly, did I hear you say this morning, jokingly, that you slapped your child because he wouldn't listen to you? Uh, no, you didn't hear me say that. No, I did. No, you didn't. You, but you, you, you know, you said you was arguing with your little boy yep. and you had to slap him. No, not what I said. Well, you tell me then what you said. I said, I was arguing with him, I started shaking him, I felt like slapping him. I oh, felt, I felt oh. like slapping him. Oh, sorry. I and of course, can I just say, for all you numpties out there, I didn't really feel like slapping him. It, no. was, uh, it was a comment uh, showing how frustrated I was with the fact that he couldn't recognise that the actor on this TV show was playing many, many different parts. OK. Never right, slap right. a child. OK, yeah. Well, you know, if you did, I'd, I'd have a word of um, Mr Ollie Martin, you see. But, oh. But PCC, oh, well done. Yes, you've Mr. brought Ollie it round. Martin. Yes. Pardon? Yes, go on. Oh, Mr Ollie Martin. Yeah. How do you contact that man with a problem? You Google Ollie Martins, his website no, no, comes up, you oh, click no. contact Ollie. No, I haven't got a computer. I okay. don't a computer. You dial 01234 842 066. Oh, is that, is that, what's that, the police station? No, that's, that's the phone number to contact Ollie Martins. 01234 842 066. Ah, oh, oh, ah, that's, ah. Oh, that's fine. That's I can nice. hear the wind it's... dropping out of your sails. Well, I'm outside here and I've got a bad cough. And I've got a sore throat, and I've got a voice problem. Hang on, hang yeah. on a second. Yeah. Are you the Dave in Luton that I banned? No, no, no. This is John. Oh, sorry, John. I, I do apologise. Yeah. Are you a yeah. first-time caller? Pardon? Yes, yes. Well, it's, it's great to have you on board. Well, I, I'm oh, glad can, you. Can, can I ring back? John, you can call back any time you want, mate. Oh, thank you, boss. That you take care, John. There you go. Thank you very much. So he's just sounding like. Um, Dave from Luton, and it said Dave from Luton on the screen, but it was John. Excellent. John, you can call back any time. Dave from Luton, you are bad. 08459 455 555.
that we're all getting wiser. To, how, have I never heard that song before? I just, I've never heard this song. Isn't it good? Beach, baby, beach, baby, never heard it. There you go. Now, we're all getting wiser to internet scams, as much as I'd welcome a few million quid from a deposed African dictator or the offer of a simple friendship with a young lady from the Balkans seeking to improve her English. Turns out they're a con. Trust me, I found out the hard way. So you'd think you could trust the DVLA. But one Bedfordshire resident's been caught out after renewing his wife's driving licence on a website that looked like the government department's but was actually run by con artists. Colette McKeveney is the director of Age Concern Luton. She's trying to get his £30 back. Good morning, Colette. Good morning. So explain what happened here. Okay, our gentleman um, had a letter from the DVLA telling him to renew his wife's driving licence because she just turned 70. So, being internet savvy, and he believes he's, you know, sort of done a few courses and, you know, picked things up along the way, um, he typed DVLA into the Google search engine, and up pops driving license applications, unlimited, sorry, driving driving license applications limited. Now, um, he quite reasonably assumed this was driving license applications UK, as as you would, and it certainly looked like it, and the text and the ad all seemed to imply that he'd found the site. So... He pops in, um, he's asked to pay a charge of £29.90 and give his credit card details to the company, which he did. And the form he filled in was, you know, headed up for DVLA, authentic form. Um, but after he paid for it and he did a bit more research, he realised that actually the company that he contacted um, were not actually the DVLA. They were actually a company based in Hong Kong oh. who were very happy for £29.90 to let him fill in a form pay them, and then send it on to DVLA in Swansea, where uh, they are these days. okay, yes. Now, the thing is, Ian, um, this isn't unique. We've no. had people in the past come to us who've had the same thing over, you know, the E11 forms or EHIC as they are now, um, and other forms yep. that are government-based. And I'm quite angry about it. I've heard about this for passports as well, where Absolutely. you're basically, you're paying a, 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 a third party to kind of go to the, the correct department for you. So the gentleman did get his, his the, the, the documents he required, did he, eventually? Well, well that waits to be seen. I mean, right. he sent it on, and hopefully it will come through. Oh, the, the, the point of the matter is, the scam is not that they're keeping the money and not sending the forms on. So far, I've found they have sent, you know, all the 11s on and all the rest of it. Mm. But what, what I'm angry about, what I think is the key issue here, is that these folks are advertising on websites and they're making it quite clear that they are, they're trying to look like the agency. You know, they're trying to look like the DVLA or EHIC or Passport Agency or whatever. Now, it's one thing about the words they're using in their advertisement, and certainly, you know, some of us have been lobbying the Advertising Standards Authority for some time, saying, you know, you've, you've got to sort this out. You've got, to, you've got to make some way of prosecuting. But what we've been hearing back is consistently that um, they can't do that because lots of these people are based abroad. For example, this gentleman, when we did a bit more research, we found out the company was based in Hong Kong. Right, so they're exempt from from the British laws. And they're not silly. They're setting up in places where, you know, they're not frightened of the Advertising Standards Authority. And, uh, I mean, so they are... I'm guessing it's a fine line between whether they're breaking the law or not. Well, you're quite right, because if you read the very, very, very small print on the bottom, which most people don't ever go to the very, very, very small print, they'll say that we are not, or there'll be something in the right. microscopic lettering that you can't read. The short of it is, they try to look like the agency, and to that extent, I think that's dishonest, OK? Is there anything you can do, Colette? Well, there's, there's two things, and one thing is I'd like people to start you know, pestering our MPs about this, for example. I think it's incumbent, if government agencies and councils require us to do all this stuff over the internet, 
don't you? You can't go in and see friendly face and talk to someone and make sure you found the right agency on the high street. Then I think it's incumbent upon them to put in more protection to have, you know, password access on the website or something that's identified, a kite mark, a watermark, something that lets you know this is the genuine DVLA website. Claire, right, listen, we have to end it there. I appreciate your time, and it's certainly a warning if you are filling in any forms online, government or otherwise, really do check that you are on the official website. These things can be very deceptive. Colette, thank you very much indeed. Colette McKeveney there, Director of Age Concern Luton. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Issues on public transport. London Midlands, Southern and Virgin trains have delays of up to 30 minutes on all services. And then on London Overground, there are severe delays between Watford Junction and Euston. First Capital Connect and East Coast also have delays of up to 15 minutes on services via Stevenage. Roads M25 anti-clockwise are slow between Junction 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. On the speed sensors, things are looking slow at the A1M Junction 7 for Stevenage southbound. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. Coming up in the next hour, more about rubbish, more about scams, and do you have any sympathy for John McCurrick? Oh, and if you don't mind, I'm going to be recording a few links for the podcast. I've got to dash off early, so I'll just do it during the show. Don't worry, you won't notice. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Seven o'clock, I'm Barry Caffrey. The headlines, poll shows people don't know about police and crime commissioners, warning to people littering across the three counties, and international football returns to Milton Keynes this evening. BBC Three Counties Radio. A BBC poll to mark one year on from the election of police and crime commissioners has found a lack of awareness about them. 38% of people who responded did not even know they have commissioners in their area. Neil Alston from the Hertfordshire Police Federation says that could be down to the type of meetings they hold. The people that we, we give our service to are largely the underprivileged in the, in the county um, and, and, don't, and the disengaged. Um, the people that live next door to the drug dealers don't go to those sort of functions. Essential equipment for British Red Cross workers in the Philippines is due to leave Stansted Airport this morning as part of the charity's response to the impact of Typhoon Haiyan. It will provide an emergency office and accommodation for a team of up to six aid workers. The special cargo flight is due to land in devastated Cebu City tomorrow. A couple who were caught on a spy camera dumping fish and chips wrappers in a lay-by near Aylesbury have been fined more than £200. The local council used the footage from a hidden camera to trace the registered keeper of the vehicle through the DVLA. Tony Fisher has more. The couple from Slough pleaded guilty to littering offences under Section 87 of the Environmental Protection Act 1990. The Waste Partnership for Buckinghamshire said they'd prefer not to say how many cameras are deployed in the county. They did say, though, that cameras targeting known fly-tipping hotspots operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Luton-based EasyJet has unveiled new sensor equipment designed to keep airliners flying after a volcanic eruption. It follows the chaos three years ago when an eruption in Iceland led to flights being grounded for a week right across Europe. EasyJet's flight operations manager, Captain Chris Foster, says the system called Avoid will make flying much safer. 
It's a huge leap forward because from a satellite, obviously, you can forecast things, but it has limitations. With this, you're actually seeing it in a dynamic. You're seeing it physically in front of you. You can't see it with your human eye, but the instrumentation can see the hazard and therefore you can avoid it. A Bedfordshire charity is alerting internet users about the risk of being caught out by websites, which prove to be imitations of official ones. Age Concern Luton was contacted by a local resident who paid nearly £30 for renewing his wife's driving licence on what he mistakenly thought was the official DVLA website. The charity is now hoping to get the money reimbursed. International football returns to Milton Keynes this evening as England under-21s take on Finland at Stadium MK. 17,000 tickets for the game have been sold. There's full commentary tonight on BBC Three Counties Radio, frequency 104.5 FM from half past seven. And the weather, there'll be a few showers this morning, but it will become dry for the rest of the day with some sunny spells too. It will feel cold, maximum temperatures of 11 degrees Celsius. That's 52 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. We're coming to towns and villages all across our counties. We've only got money and it's quite an upbeat environment to live in, so I quite like it. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. It's always nice when you don't have to feel afraid when you go out at night. All this week in Welland Garden City. It's as towns should be, it's as housing should be. Local and vocal, the big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up on the show today, including a new survey suggests that 38% of you have no idea that you have a police and crime commissioner. Well, we're going to do our best to reduce that figure to at least 37%. 37.7, I'll settle with. A couple have been fined 150 quid each for chucking their chip wrappers in an Aylesbury lay-by. They were caught on hidden camera. What do you think? Is that fair or is that dirty tricks? And John McCrerick was sacked because of his attitude, not his age. Do you feel any sympathy for John McCrerick? Wouldn't you rather see young, attractive men and women on television rather than portly, sexist old men? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or you can give me a call 08459 555555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm having a very strong cup of hot lemon and uh, it's a bit tart. A little bit tart. Uh, Julie Morris-Smith has texted in, Ian, why are you losing your voice? Ah, I'm an artist, I'm sensitive. You know, things affect me. Changing the weather, emotions, a puppy crying, those kind of things make me sad. Uh, Re-litter, she says, it's disgusting. I'm forever picking up non-degradable litter whilst out with my dog, not only because it's unsightly, but it's hazardous for wildlife. And uh, regarding hidden cameras, you're only like to be bothered by them if you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. As, as I get older, I, I kind of go more in line with that. I was always, hey, libertarian, let's not film anything, man. But as I get older... I'm starting to think, yeah, but maybe we should have more hidden cameras. Hidden cameras in bushes to film litter bugs. Is that acceptable? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. 
Now, a year after the, uh, their election, a BBC poll suggests 38% of people living in areas with police commissioners don't know they exist. Well, we sent uh, Justin Dealey out to talk about this. Justin, uh, this was featured on um, uh, JVS's show yesterday, a cracking mm. show where he had uh, the PCCs. And I know um, uh, Paul Scoynes went out with photos of the PCCs. But you went out, didn't you, just asking people if they knew what PCCs stood for, if they knew who certain people were. What kind of reaction did you get? Well, you know, earlier we spoke to people in Luton, and again, nobody had any idea about their local police and crime commissioner. Uh, this time, I went out with a picture of David Lloyd in Hemel. Hempstead. He's the Police and Crime Commissioner for Hertfordshire, and if he is listening in, he might want to uh, put his hands over his ears for the next minute or so. Here's what happened. So, David Lloyd, do you know who he is? Yeah, tenny, he used to be a tennis player. He's a very wealthy man now, I believe. What about the other David Lloyd, who's your local PCC? No, don't even know him. Jackie, if I said David Lloyd to you, what would spring to mind? Haven't got a clue. Nothing at all? No. David Lloyd is your local Police and Crime Commissioner in Hertfordshire. There you go, then. <laughs> Didn't even know. Does crime concern you locally? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Definitely. Especially what? with teenagers. They terrify me. So this picture here of this man, he is your uh, local PCC for Hertfordshire. What do you think PCC stands for? Politically correct. Politically correct? Yeah. Police and Crime Commissioner was oh. the correct answer. Was it? I don't know. <laughs> do, you, do you know what he does, this man here? No. Who do you think that handsome chap is then, madam? Ain't got a clue. That's your local PCC. Oh, is it? Do you care? No. Alistair, do you know who your local police and crime commissioner is? No. It's David Lloyd. Yeah. I read something in a leaflet that came round the other time. Right, so you've received a leaflet. Would you ever consider contacting your local PCC about something? If it was necessary. Do you think they're a waste of money? It's a bit too early to tell. The only David Lloyd I would think of is in connection with the sports centres. The David Lloyd's centres. Is that correct? No. Uh, he is the Hertfordshire PCC. He is your local police and crime commissioner. Oh, commissioner. I, I remember the, um, the voting system for the commissioner. The only place I thought that a commissioner was Gotham City. That, that was it. <laughs> so, no, I wasn't aware of that at all. Well, we have our own commissioners who may not be quite as uh, 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 outrageous as Commissioner Gordon, <laughs> but uh, at least people knew who he was. I just find that very, very sad, actually, because, of course, you know, around a year ago, we went big on this. You know, we did so many features yeah. about people's uh, local commissioner, who it potentially could be, and, you know, everyone I'm talking to, Ian, they say, yes, we are very concerned about local crime, but nobody knows who their local police and crime commissioner is. I just, I can't find a way of meeting the two. Yes, if you're concerned, surely you should know who your local PCC is. Justin, thank you very much indeed. I'm joined now by Linda Darrell, uh, who is the Divisional Manager for Victim Support in the Thames Valley, which includes Buckinghamshire. Uh, Linda, are you surprised that so many people don't know who their commissioners are? Uh, Good morning, Ian. Um, Well, it's still very early days, isn't it? It, You know, PCCs are a new form of representation. Well, it's a year... Yeah, I think, you know, it takes a while for people to get used to, you know, new ways of accessing things. It's not surprising it's taken the public learn to, you know, time to learn about the PCC's role and their responsibilities. Do you just think that people aren't interested? It's very poor turnout for the elections. 38% don't know they've got a PCC. Do you think people just aren't that bothered? I think it's... It's about people, people's interest would heighten when something happens to them that they need to be interested in that area. Um, I mean, the turnout, the average turnout for the elections last year was almost 15%. So, you know, there has been, if, if that correlates with the interest we have now, then that, there's been an increase. Uh, Anthony Stansfeld, who I know is your PCC, yeah. he holds regular meetings with the public, doesn't he? They're not always very well attended. 
No, they're not. And I know his office are trying different tacks, different ways of publicising that and focusing the meetings on different things to try and get people's attention into those. Um, I mean, we're also, we're working closely with Anthony and his office and we're running some focus groups on his behalf. Uh, we've run four, running four across the county. Our next one is actually in Milton Keynes next Friday. And that's about seeking people's views of the criminal justice system, the police, and what support they have. So they're open meetings that people can attend. Do you think, and I'll put this out to my, to my listeners to see what they think, and I, I don't know what the answer is. Do you think that people aren't that bothered, though, about policing? They just want the police to get on and do their jobs. They don't want focus groups. They don't want surveys. They, don't want, they just want the police to go and do their job. I think, I think in some respects we all want that. And, and as I say, it's not until you, you get involved in that system and maybe something doesn't quite happen as you mm. think it should and you don't feel supported that then you want to access those services. Victim support have asked the commissioners to sign up to five pledges. Has, has Mr Stansfeld delivered on those pledges? He signed up to them, yeah, and we're working closely with him on, on how he can do those, as have the other two, um, David Lloyd and Ollie Martin. When, when are you hoping that, that um, he, Mr Stansfield will deliver those five well, pledges? Well, he's already started to, because we're starting to do the focus group. Right. Um, and he's being open and accountable to victims and witnesses. He's seeking their views. And he's working closely with criminal justice agencies across the Thames Valley. Do you think that the PCCs are a step forward, Linda? It's the right way to go? I think once they've embedded, yes. Yeah. Linda, I appreciate your time this morning. It's uh, Linda Darrell, Divisional Manager for Victim Support in the Thames Valley. What do you think about... By the way, if you want to hear a, a, a cracking interview with the PCCs... Uh, just, uh, sorry, Jonathan Vernon-Smith did it yesterday uh, at 10 o'clock. Cracking show. You can go and listen to it on the BBC iPlayer and, um, and hear what they have to say for themselves. Are you that bothered about the PCCs, though? Are you, do you kind of think, um, you know, I, I don't really want to get involved in focus groups... I don't really want to go and have my say. I just want them to do their job. I want them to police, please. Why should it bother me? 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Right, I've got to subtly do some links for this podcast. You won't notice we're doing them. Kelly, what do you want me to say? So can you do the intro to it? So hi, Ian Lee. Um, Thanks for downloading my podcast. It's free. Uh, Lots of interesting bits coming up. You know how you can save it right. on your computer and then it's there, you can save it and stuff. And then do an end bit, so, yeah. oh, thanks for listening. Yep. Bye. Can we just... My voice, is, as you know, is, 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 uh, is, is my fortune. Can we just use what you just did then? I'd rather you do mm, it. Um, just do a quick hi, thanks. Hi, thanks. Yeah, I could do something like that. You can, like that. Do, you can yeah. work with that? Yeah. Beautiful. And then when's it coming out? So this will be out Friday, midday. Beautiful. I look forward to, um, to tweeting about that. Thank you. There you go. You see? I don't think that ruined the flow of the show. I don't think we've contravened any Ofcom regulations by doing that. Uh, on Facebook, you've been having your say on, uh, on rubbish. A couple from Slough. And uh, listen, they, if they were from Slough, they wouldn't have any concern where they chuck their rubbish. Disgusting place. When was the last time you were there? I was there last Thursday. Um, they were filmed secretly in a lay-by in Aylesbury, chucking a chip wrapper uh, on the floor. They got fined £150 each. Uh, Joanne says, good job, whatever happened to keep Britain tidy? Well, they're still going, but they're not really d- maybe doing a lot. Sonny says, on top of the fine, I would have forced them to eat the wrappers too. I'm willing to bet they would never do it again. Yeah. Raoul says, just like the orange-painted sc- speed cameras with warning signs, what's up with that? It's the same rubbish. I don't understand that. Cameras, uh, what? Um, and Sherry says, yeah, yeah, glad to hear it. It's about time they did something about enforcing these laws. I do kind of agree. Dropping litter is one of those things that really, really annoys me. Because there's never any excuse for it. I had an apple the other day. 
Well, I really wanted to chuck it on the floor because it was horrible holding it around. But, whoa, if I kept on walking, I found a bin. There's never an excuse for doing it. If you're, if you're in your car... I was, in, um, I was driving along the M4 the other day and someone chucked some rubbish out of their car. And I bibbed them and flashed them. I just thought, why would you do that? You've got a car. Just put it on the floor, put it on the seat, put it on the back seat. There's never any excuse for chucking rubbish out of your car or, or chucking rubbish on the floor. Never. 08459 455 555. We will not get one phone call this morning from someone saying, hang on a second, 150 quid is a bit harsh. No one can think that. No one in their right mind would think that was too much money. I say double it. Make it more. That'll stop them doing it. Stop you doing it, wouldn't it? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Quarter past seven. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Starting with the trains, London Midland, Southern and Virgin trains have delays of up to 30 minutes on all services. London Midland have no service between Tring and Euston. And Milton Keynes to Euston services will call at Apsley and Kings Langley. On Southern trains aren't running between Milton Keynes and Watford Junction. Those problems are expected until 9 o'clock this morning. London Overground also have severe delays between Watford Junction and Euston. First Capital Connect and East Coast have delays of up to 15 minutes on services via Stevenage. On the roads, M25 anti-clockwise is still slow between Junction. 17 for Maple Cross and 16 for the M40. There are queues now between Junction 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. In Bricketwood, North Orbital is very slow at the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. And in Watford, the A411 Exchange Road is busy around the Upton Road. This is Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. 7.16, it's Thursday the 14th of November I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio A BBC poll to mark one year on from the election of police and crime commissioners has found a lack of awareness about them Essential equipment for British Red Cross workers in the Philippines is due to leave Stansted Airport this morning as part of the charity's response to the impact of Typhoon Haiyan. International football returns to Milton Keynes this evening as England under-21s take on Finland at Stadium NK. The weather will be a few showers this morning, but it'll become dry for the rest of the day with some sunny spells, maximum temperature 11 degrees. Coming up, we'll be talking more about the couple who were fined £150 each for chucking their fish and chip wrappers in an Aylesbury lay-by. Do you think it's a fair cop? Probably been treated very poorly. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from 12, Nick Coffer brings you... Going from the saint to, to Bond was rather like a, a diamond being put into a much more expensive, intricate setting. I believe women have affairs because they seek love and affirmation. So, you know, my marriage went wrong and I had an affair, but I would not have done that had I not been unhappy, I think. I left school wanting to be a magician, but my mother wouldn't let me because my auntie Maureen was in show business and she was a naughty lady. Nick Coffer, weekdays from 12. 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. A couple who were caught on camera dumping fish and chip wrappers in a lay-by near Aylesbury have been fined £150 each after being caught on hidden camera. The local council used the footage to trace the registered keeper of the vehicle through the DVLA. What do you think? Hidden cameras? Catching litterers? Is that really where we want to be going? 08459 455 555. I'm joined now by Councillor Howard Mordew, who is in charge of leisure at Aylesbury Vale District Council. What do you think about these hidden cameras spying on people, Howard? Um, well, 
Yeah, with litter dropping and fly tipping, it's an ever-increasing problem. And we will use whatever means is at our disposal. But it's actually done by a joint partnership between the, the district and the county. But hidden cameras, do, do we really... I mean, we, obviously we have CCTV all over the place, but we know they're there. Hiding cameras in bushes it could be considered a little bit underhand, perhaps. Uh, I like to start, but then again, would you say that stealing Thanks. a small car is a lesser offence than stealing a big car? And of course it's not. Dropping anything is, is uh, legal. And to give you some sort of idea of perspective... I don't get... The, I, don't, I, I like your style too, Hal, the way you've, you've, you've ignored my point. I don't, I don't get the comparison between uh, 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 overt and covert cameras and big cars and small cars. Um, well, we do... Go back to what your original point is, uh, putting them in bushes. They're not... Re- they are signposts to these lay-bys where that they are subject to camera surveillance. But so the cameras like are hidden. Picking up and hiding a camera in a bush. But the cameras are hidden, aren't they? You can't see the cameras. Um, well, if you looked hard enough, you probably could see them. But uh, Why would anyone be looking through the bushes of a lay-by? Um, well, that's why people dump fly, you know, rubbish and so on, and it's an ah. expensive thing to clear what, away. What were you about to say about if people could see the cameras? What was the point you were going to make there? Um, well, the point is that a camera can be seen right. if you look for it. You know, we've got uh, a camera in... So it's hidden. <laughs> so it's hidden. Yeah, well, you, you can't... The, the main idea is to deter people from dumping rubbish. Then don't, don't the hide the cameras. Probably is just as much a, a good job. Don't hide the cameras then. If you want to deter people, this is where the, the argument falls down, I think. If you want to deter people, yeah. make the cameras obvious. If you want to make cash, hide the cameras. That's how it we're works, not, isn't it? We're not making cash out of this. Any monies would go to the court service. Uh, as far as hiding the cameras go, uh, they are discreet cameras, and they're discreet because we don't want them vandalised or stolen. But it sounds a little bit deceptive, though, doesn't it, to put a camera in a bush where, you, yes, you can see it if you look for it. Well, it's a lot cheaper than getting somebody to stay there all the time, watching for somebody to dump the rubbish. But, but cameras, cameras, CCTV cameras in the street don't get vandalised, so again, it's, it, the point doesn't quite work, does it? Well, CCTV cameras are normally mounted on buildings, and to put things into perspective, there's about 1.7 million private CCTV cameras in the country, as against... 23,000-odd, which are council-owned. The Home Office recommended that the use of this type of surveillance should be confined to cases where the offence under investigation carries a custodial sentence of six months or more. What's your reaction to that? Well, the whole question of uh, antisocial behaviour policies and the reform of it is a subject that's coming up before Parliament, uh, I think it's next year. So you disagree with the Home Office? I disagree with some of the guidelines... But they are guidelines at the end of the day, and they are intended not for this sort of occasional offence, but for major offences. How serious a problem is uh, uh, litter in Buckinghamshire, Howard? Um, well, it's a, it's a growing problem, and it's a growing problem throughout the country. You know, some of your listeners will probably remember when, uh, many years ago, we, before the Keep Britain Tidy campaign was mm. launched, it was a mess, um, certainly compared to the continent. So, uh, so streets in Aylesbury, that litter is a problem there? Uh, well, we're not, in this case, we're not talking about litter in the streets. We're talking about litter in the countryside, and litter in the countryside can be dangerous right. to wild animals and to farms. But I'm talking litter in general. I mean, is litter a problem in the streets of Aylesbury? Uh, litter is a problem in any town where people mm. just dump it when there's convenient litter bins to put it in. And yet you've, you've cut back on the number of street cleaners that you have. Uh, street cleaners, uh, well, it's out for contract. So we 
don't actually have a direct control over the number of street cleaners. Well, it's a contract. Howard, come on now. You're, you're, you're from the council. You have a say in how many street cleaners you have. You go for the, well, if, you, if you're that concerned, you'll go for the contract that gave you more street cleaners. We have a contract, and that was uh, all awarded after due diligence and going into the uh, best uh, cost-effective basis. A little bit of buck passing there, Howard? Not taking responsibility for this? Um, I'll take responsibility for what is under my portfolio. And awarding contracts not necessarily under mine, although it's under the, the end result uh, is under mine. OK, so the end result is under yours. So less street cleaners, uh, and you're, you're using hidden cameras. So you're, you're, you're getting rid of people to save money, and you're putting in some cameras in bushes. That's putting it in a very crude form. Yes, but it's um, accurate, though, isn't it? The cameras are not owned by the district council. Howard, I'm, I'm hearing lots of buck passing here. Why, why don't you hold uh, on to a buck for a second? No, you, the point is that uh, we actually work in partnership with the county council in doing things and it would cost more to clear away the rubbish which people dump and as i was trying to say there is a big problem for farmers of livestock you know you can't imagine the consequences of uh, farm stock eating polythene bags and uh, baler twine they can kill them and that's the farmer's livelihood and and sorry how would that get from the lay-by to a cow well that's where people actually dump it and obviously we well, we, we, the, but the lay-by the bags into the fields but the the, the lay-by chip wrappers in a lay-by i'm confused yeah, well chip wrappers as i said uh, chip, they may seem inconsequential how, how close was this lay-by to a, a cow uh, I don't know the right. whether a cow's in the field, but it's certainly joined the field because it's on the road between okay. uh, Tame and uh, Prince of Risborough. Howard, I'm glad you like my style. Thank you very much indeed. That's Councillor Howard Mordew uh, in charge of leisure at Aylesbury Vale District Council. 08459 455 555. Wurzel's in Aylesbury. Morning, Wurzel. Morning. What would you like to say, sir? Um, I've noticed over the last five years a lot of signs where there's illegal dumping and things like that going on. The council put up signs to say there's an hidden camera in the edge or in a bush and people still ignore it. They're absolutely downright bloody stupid. There ain't no doubt about it. Why do... uh, Do do you approve of hidden cameras? Yes, I do. Tell me why, because some people might consider it to be an infringement of their personal liberties. Well, the same reason as Howard just said about the council. People dump stuff they don't take into consideration animals or anything else. I've seen a sheep that got st- uh, uh, choked to death by a plastic bag. Mm, well, you can imagine what sort of death that must have been. Oh, I, can Im- I can imagine it's a hideous way for a sheep to go, of course. You uh, know, people are doing it, and they're not taking into consideration anything. What, what can we do? What, what can we do, Wurzel, to stop people littering and fly tipping? I don't think we've got any chance of stopping it now the country's gone too far down the road of being downright ignorant to the countryside and the way animals live no words well don't be don't be so pessimistic we can turn it around surely we, we can start with I us i don't think we can oh that's a very depressing you take, view you take you go in Aylesbury first thing in the morning and you look where there's takeaway burger places and yeah. bad places and see the amount of rubbish there is up the street. Well, they get the, but they are reducing the number of street cleaners, aren't they? So that's not going to help. Well, there's a street sweeping operation thing goes around every morning. And on one particular car park, I have seen a chap there picking up the rubbish because there's a fish and chip shop there. There's also a takeaway, 
I think it's a bur- I ain't sure whether it's a Berber or a Chinese place. Yes. But by there, the bloke's there every morning picking up the rubbish. Wurzel, listen, I appreciate your time this morning. Wurzel thinks it's gone too far. We can't turn this around. Disappointing if it's true. I'd like to think it's not true. I'd like to think we can turn this around and uh, become a nation of people who have a, a little bit of respect and pride in our streets. 08459 555 555 for some Facebook. Um, oh, no, some text. Sorry, 81333, starting their text 3CR. Carla says, vile people. I'm glad they were fined. We need to be tougher, in my opinion. Cigarette ends thrown from car windows is another of my pet hates. Find the swines. Hey, that's not a bad slogan. Find the swines. Uh, not enough of, of it. The country is turning into a tip. Fines and cleaning duty for those who can't pay. So if the fine is 100, they do 20 hours cleaning up streets. Nettie says, yes, they deserve the fine. More fines should be given. Wade says, same should happen to people who throw cigarette butts on the floor as well. And William says, uh, there is usually a bin in laybys. I bet this pair wish they'd use it. I bet they do. Um, uh, Oh, okay, we've got an email here about PCCs. Um, uh, Dear Ian, uh, read the PCCs. I had cause to email Mr David Lloyd on the 9th of October 2013. I returned home from work to find a PCC newsletter from my area sticking out of my letterbox. I emailed him to complain and sent the below to him. Thank you for the latest newsletter for Letchworth and Baldock Town, which is very informative. I must say I was disappointed, though. On arriving home after a day at work... Oh, this is good. I found the letter sticking out of my letterbox. I don't know when it was delivered, but leaving it sticking out of a letterbox goes against crime prevention advice in that it can indicate to burglars that no-one is in and leave your home vulnerable. Whilst I appreciate that it was most probably de- delivered by a third party, it doesn't look good that a newsletter from your office is left sticking out of a letterbox. Apart from the auto-generated email I got back stating I'll be contacted in ten days, so far I've not had any response or feedback. That's from Kev. Oh, that's a good one, isn't it? Here's a question, Catherine. This is going to sound really stupid. This is basic English. OK. And I, I, I was confused yesterday when they are talking about this gentleman who was um, uh, in, uh, found in the bag. Right. Um, they said that he was found in the bag, and this, this, Kev's just used this phrase as well, he was found in the bag, but there was no sign of a third party. Right? You got that? Yes. Who's the second party? The bag? No. Who, who could be the second party? So let's say, right, uh, I'm at home uh, and I've, I've got a bruise on my head. Let's put this gentleman to one side. I've got home, a bruise on my head. The police come. There's no sign of a third party involvement. Who's the second party? The police? No, they're the fourth party. Uh... So I'm the first party. The person who, who may or may not have attacked me is the third party. It's the second party. It's not the cat, is it? Is it the cat? Uh, is there someone in between you and the person that attacks you? Maybe someone that's, that tries to prevent it. There was a deliberate reason, Kelly, why I aimed this question and why I'm looking solely at Catherine Boyle, because I, I... No disrespect, but nah. Catherine? Uh, I can't really help you out. I think it might be that the police consider themselves a second party at the scene. Is it like and then the third party would be someone else. Is it like first person and third person, which is something I'd never quite understood? Mm-hmm. You're really confused. I thought you'd know and laugh at me. Oh, good, I'm not so... 08459 455 555. The third person, the third person is because it's I, you, he, she. Right. OK, so in, gr- in grammar... What's, what's the first person? The, I. What's the third person? He, she. What's the second person? You. So I'm the second party. I'm the first party. 
Are you the first party to yourself, and then if somebody else, and but the second party is you as well? Kelly, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Just seriously, leave this one for the grown-ups. Okay, is that all right? Yeah. Thanks. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. The M25 clockwise has one lane closed between Junction 24 for Potter's Bar and 25 for Enfield after a breakdown and recovery work going on there, which is causing queues. Anti-clockwise on the M25, things are slow between Junction 18 for Chorleywood and 16 for the M40. There are also queues between 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. In Bricketwood, the North Orbital is really slow at the M25 Junction 21A roundabout and the M1 southbound is heavy between the Toddington Services and Junction 7 for Hemel Hempstead. A1 M slow southbound between Junction 8 and 7 through Stevenage. On public transport, London Midland, Southern and Virgin trains have delays of up to 30 minutes on all services. London Midland, Tring to Euston services are suspended. Milton Keynes to Euston services will call out Apsley and Kings Langley. Southern trains aren't running between Milton Keynes and Watford Junction. Those problems are expected until about 9 o'clock this morning. London Overground now have minor delays between Watford Junction and Euston. And First Capital Connect and East Coast still have those delays of up to 15 minutes on services via Stevenage. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's half past seven. I'm Barry Caffrey. The headlines, a BBC poll to mark one year on from the election of police and crime commissioners has found a lack of awareness about them. 38% of people who responded did not even know they have commissioners in their area. Essential equipment for British Red Cross workers in the Philippines is due to leave Stansted Airport this morning as part of the charity's response to the impact of Typhoon Haiyan. It will provide an emergency office and accommodation for a team of up to six aid workers. A couple who were caught on a spy camera dumping fish and chip wrappers in a lay-by near Aylesbury have been fined more than £200. The local council used the footage from a hidden camera to trace the registered keeper of the vehicle through the DVLA. And the weather, there'll be a few showers this morning, but it will become dry for the rest of the day with some sunny spells too. It will feel cold, maximum temperatures of 11 degrees Celsius. That's 52 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. International football returns to Milton Keynes this evening as England under-21s take on Finland at Stadium MK. Simon Oxley looks ahead. It's the third time England have played an under-21 international at Stadium MK and over 17,000 tickets have been sold for tonight's game. Gareth Southgate's squad includes Watford keeper Jonathan Bond, former Hornets loanee Nathaniel Chalabar and Thomas Inns, son of the former MK Dons manager Paul Inns. Other names to watch out for are Manchester United's Wilfred Zahar and Liverpool's Raheem Sterling. Well, there's full commentary from Stadium MK tonight on 104.5 FM from half past seven and also via the BBC Sport website. England's cricketers are batting in their final warm-up match ahead of the Ashes. England dismissed an Australia Invitational 11 for 304 runs. In reply, they are currently 292 for five. Rugby and Dan Carter will play in his 100th Test match after being named at fly half in New Zealand's team to face England on Saturday. The former All Blacks hooker Sean Fitzpatrick feels their forwards are in better shape now than they were when they lost 38-21 against England last autumn. They're probably 
percent better than what they were last year. Um, I think they got taught a lesson last year by England, and and hopefully we won't have the same issues in the collision areas we had last year, where as Graham Roundtree um, has put quite rightly, he said uh, we took them on and came out on top. Meanwhile, the England captain Kevin Sinfield says the side will be considered failures if they don't reach the final of the Rugby League World Cup. London 2012 Olympic gold medalist Etienne Stott is to be presented with an honorary degree by the University of Bedfordshire. The slalom canoeist, along with his canoeing partner Tim Bailey, became the first Briton to achieve an Olympic gold in the sport. Stott will receive his honorary Doctor of Science on the 22nd of November. BBC Three Counties Radio News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at eight. Across beds, hearts and bucks. Slalom. This is Ian Lee. BBC ah, well, Three Salome. Counties Radio. Morning. We, OK, so I know I don't want this to drag on more than it has to. If I am the first... So if I have a bruise on my head uh, and I, I'm the first person, I go to the police... They say there is no evidence of a third person. Who's the second person? Is it the police? We th- we, Kelly, you really, I'm going to let you have a go at this now, Kelly, because you think Thank you've you. got it. I think I've got it. The person... But you haven't, yes. Yeah, who invented the whole third party, second party, first party thing couldn't count, got confused. Uh, you were just quoting De La Soul a minute ago, me, myself and I. Oh, yeah, so me is the first person, myself is the second person, so you're basically the same person, and then the police are the third person. No, the... Criminal is the third Mm. person. Catherine. Let me take you back to your French class. Bonjour. Je is the first thing. If you were trying to manipulate the verbs, right, you remember those tables you had to learn. I, you, he, she. Yes. They. Like it. Okay? Like it. So think of them. Stop thinking about them as a person. Think of them as a list. It's the word I. I. The word you. She's acting this out. The word he, she. Right. He, she is the third person. In that r- She's that holding list. an apple between her thumb and uh, forefinger on her left hand as well. I'm being the teacher. Yeah. Ooh. Clearly. So, what? third one down, he, she. So, Second one down, you. First one, I. So, hang on, I'm, I'm the first and the second person. That's what I no, said. No, no, we're not talking about you in particular. We're talking about the words. But I, okay, but it's me. I am first. I am first. You. Who? Second. Me. So you're the first person. You weren't even in the house when I got a bruise. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you why I invited someone into my house who bruised me. I is you. Yeah. As in Ian. You speak in proper English, yes. Kelly, so with the BBC. I, just say, okay, I is me. You oh, would be somebody else. Can you speak present. proper English? Oh. I is me. I is you. <laughs> for goodness sake. I am Ian. You I are am she. Me. I am I. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> 08459 Can someone explain it to me? I just don't get it. What, you is in you or oh, I? Oh, for goodness sakes. I, I, don't, I don't want to dwell on this too much. I don't understand it. And it was yesterday, listening to Five Live, they were talking about, talking about this poor gentleman who was found in a, in a bag. The, uh, and uh, Not to make light of it, but I, I think it illustrates the point better. He was the first person, this gentleman that was found dead in a bag, and the police said there was no evidence of a third person or third party. So who was the second party? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Have I got you all scratching your heads as well? This is the kind of thing that drives me insane. Really upsets me. Um, oh, we've got a text here. Hang on, eight one three double three. Start your text three. Yeah. Ian, the answer to your question: first party is the victim, second party is the act or crime itself. That's not true. That's not true. 
The third party is the person who commits the second party, unless it's an accident, in which case the second party becomes the third party also. Or it is an act of God, in which the case, the act is always the first part. No! I think we can guarantee, we can agree, the third party is the baddie here, okay? First and second party, 08459 455 555. Subject of fly tipping and litter and rubbish, Andy Milton Keynes. Morning, Andy. Yeah, this is a third party call I'm making to you, by the way. Why? I've no idea, but I'm just going to follow convention. So is the second party Kelly Betts were putting you through? Of course, yeah. And that makes me the third party as well, I guess. So, OK, so I am the victim. You have murdered me. Mm-hmm. Kelly Betts. But she wouldn't necessarily be there. Oh, hang on. If you're dead, I can't talk to you. Thanks very much for calling. Let's... Oh, no, no, you did have a point to make, didn't you? I did, yeah. No, I, 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 um, I had a problem with slide tipping, and I Go got a third-party third uh, um, company to um, put monitoring in. Uh, and part of the package was to prosecute it for me. So, we, why, why, where were they fly tipping on your property? Yeah, I, I, um, I bought a field, um, which, which, I, which I was going to put horses in. But every, every, every time we cleared the drive, because when I first bought it, the drive was full of rubbish. Yeah. So we cleared it at great expense, and then quite literally, it filled back up again. Oh no! Each, each time I cleared it, it was six hundred quid, because um, no one was prepared to take it without the proper waste transfer. And what kind of they, stuff were they dumping? Um, mainly building materials. Some oh. of it sort of like looked like a house clearing. Oh but dear! Most of it was sort of like, it like well, it could have been asbestos. I didn't know, so I had to get it done properly. Yeah. But um, we had a camera put up. Turned out to be a local man who who we knew. Uh, oh. But the court could only enforce a six hundred pound pound um, compensation to me, which was equal to what it cost me each time we cleared it, oh. and it didn't cover the cost of the camera either. But did um, he stop doing thought, it though? Once you once you'd busted him. Um. Yeah, we used to get sort of things like bedsteads where, where, where I think people just sort of like want to get rid of something, couldn't be bothered with going for the chip, so they just dumped it down our drive sort of thing. So lazy. It, it stopped the the big stuff, which was was, which was a huge problem because of the cost of clearing it. Andy, thank you very much for that. I did, there was a, a, a cracking watchdog last week, I think it was. It's not a sentence you hear very often, but I do I do enjoy the watchdog, uh, where Matt Allwright was dealing with uh, with fly tippers. They, they, uh, they are. He was great. Did he dress up as an old man again? No, he hid in a bin. Oh, I like it when he does that. He hid in a bin, and they put um, tracking devices on a fridge and a sofa. And, and I saw that. Yeah, it was good. It was a good one. It was a good one. I didn't like it when he burst out of the bin, though, and I think he finds those things a bit humiliating. He'd never say it, but I really? think... Really? He doesn't enjoy that? I don't think he enjoys bursting out of a bin. Who would, apart from Oscar the Grouch? <laughs> he didn't enjoy it either. He was miserable, wasn't he? He was very miserable. You don't hear much from that guy these days. No. Never mind. Dennis is on the line. Morning, Dennis. Good morning, Ian. Dennis, what can you uh, do for me? You were saying about you being hit on the head. And yes. Somebody come on and looking for the second person. Right, so no, sorry, let's... Let, I have got a bruise on my head. Yes. Okay, I wake up, I've got a bruise on my head, okay? Yep. I contact the police and say, I think I've been attacked in my sleep. Yep. The police come over, they sweep for fingerprints, they do DNA tests, they speak to my wife, the kids, they speak to the neighbours, uh, they run a background check on me, they ask if there's anybody... Basically, they draw a blank. They say they can find no evidence My of a third person. No, no, don't. No evidence of a third oh, party. A third person, right. Third party. Well, in this case, probably when you were hit on the head, you were probably be cross-eyed, and they're looking for the person that you're trying right. to find. Okay. Your eyes. So I've just wasted sixty seconds setting know, up that never, thing. You never waste. You're a great. You're a great guy. I like you. I'm sorry you're losing your voice. Do you mean that sincerely? 
absolutely sincerely. I should hate, I'd hate it when you're not on. Well, Dennis, thank you very much indeed. And I, I, I like it when you're not on, so he's gone. I said, to, oh, look, Catherine, I, that wasn't too harsh, was it? No, I was just still thinking about Oscar the Grouch. Yeah. You know when normally when faded TV stars get found working in chip vans and things? He couldn't yep. have sunk any lower, could he? No, that's as low as you could get. I always wanted to go into his bin, because his bin... Had loads of stuff in it. Well, it went down for miles and miles and miles. I remember the, uh, the Mexican the Spanish guy. Who was Luis. Luis went in there once, and I was dead envious of Luis going into his bin. I liked Oscar the Grout. I wait four five nine four double five five double five. We're staying very close to old kids' TV programs. Let's veer away from that cliff face, shall we? Let's veer away from that. I tell you what, this morning we've had nobody calling in to talk about John McCrick. Nobody's called in with any sympathy for John McCrick, which makes me think people don't have any sympathy for John McCrick. He was the uh, the, the horse racing uh, commentator who um, was suing Channel Four for letting him go. And he was saying it was age discrimination. He's 73, 74, something like that. And he was suing... I'm just trying to find the story in the paper. That's, that's why I'm flicking away. If you can hear me flicking away, it's because of that. And he was uh, suing Channel 4 for letting him go, saying it was age discrimination. Well, the court case has finished, and it turns out it wasn't age discrimination. Um, people said he was quite an obnoxious uh, person to work with, quite difficult, quite sexist, and they let him go. These things happen in TV. But, 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 do you have... Any sympathy for John McCrerick? Do you think we need to see more older people on television? Or would you rather... Would you rather... We saw hot, young, beautiful men and women on television. This is it, page 31 of the the, the Mail. Uh, McCrerick, the panto villain, loses £3 million age bias fight with Channel 4. Now, I've met John McCrerick. I've worked with him a few times. He's a nice bloke. He's bonkers, but he's a nice bloke. Horse racing pundit John McCurrick yesterday lost his £3 million age discrimination case against Channel 4 after a tribunal ruled the bigoted male chauvinist, that's their quote, alienated viewers. The 73-year-old claimed his defeat was a historic setback for older workers, which gave TV executives the green light to continue to worship the cult of youth. He said he was dumped from Channel 4 Racing last year by anonymous suits and skirts as part of a drive to hire younger faces after the broadcast unveiled a new presenting team headed by 42-year-old Claire Balding. Now, I knew they were going to get rid of him. Do you know how I knew? I was asked if I wanted... I was asked if I would like to be considered for it, for a horse racing show. Imagine that. Imagine that. I was asked um, about a year ago, 18 months ago, was it? Something like that. Uh, I had a little call saying, look, we're putting together a younger uh, uh, team for, for horse racing, things like that. Any interest? I said, I don't know anything about horse racing and I don't particularly like it, so I'm probably going to have to pass on this one. So I knew it was going to happen. Do you have any sympathy for him at all? 08459 455 555. Two things here, aren't there, I suppose. Any sympathy for John McCrerick at all? And do you want to see old people on the television? Wouldn't you rather see beautiful young men and women on television? 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
M25 clockwise is slow between Junction 22 for St Albans and 25 for Enfield. That's because of an earlier lane closure after a breakdown. The M25 anti-clockwise is stop-start between Junction 21 for the M1 and 16 for the M40. In Bricketwood, the North Orbital is queuing at the M25 Junction 21A roundabout. The M40 northbound is slow from the A40 Denham roundabout heading towards the M25. M1 southbound heavy between the Toddington services and Junction 7 for Hemel Hempstead and the A1M southbound also looking slow through Stevenage from Junction 8 to 7. Public transport, still those problems going on on London, Midland, Southern and Virgin trains where there are delays of up to 30 minutes on all services. London, Midland have service suspended between Tring and Euston and the Milton Keynes services to Euston will be calling at Apsley and Kings Langley. Southern trains aren't running between Milton Keynes and Watford Junction. Those problems are expected until 9 o'clock this morning. London Overground have minor delays between Watford Junction and Euston and First Capital Connect and East Coast have delays of up to 15 minutes on services via Stevenage. This is Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. An email um, from Ian regarding John McCrook. John McCrook is a horse racing legend. The new lot on Channel 4 Racing are boring. It's no fun anymore. Well, if you agree or disagree, 08459 555 BBC Three Counties Radio. These are your headlines on Thursday the 14th of November. 38% of adults don't know that their police and crime commissioner actually exist. That's according to a BBC poll carried out a year since the PCCs were elected. Essential equipment for British Red Cross workers in the Philippines is due to leave Stansted Airport this morning as part of the charity's response to the impact of Typhoon Haiyan. In sport, England under-21s take on Finland this evening at Stadium MK. Full live commentary on our 104.5 frequency from 7.30. Coming up, it's been a year since a fire at a recycling yard in Hertfordshire. A year? Really? Wow. Residents and emergency services have raised fears about it happening again. We'll speak to Justin Daly, who's there, to find out exactly what's going on. But before that, let's get the weather. Here's Elizabeth. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, very good morning to you. Just a small chance of catching one or two showers this morning. Most places, though, are going to stay dry and it will stay dry all day too. We're looking at some good spells of brightness and sunshine. Just a rather chilly northwesterly wind that's going to really take the edge off the temperatures so it won't feel quite as warm as it did yesterday. Um, that's because of the wind, really. Um, in all other respects, the valleys are about the same. We're looking at temperatures all the way up to 8 or 9 degrees, 48 in Fahrenheit locally. We might even see a 10 degrees. As we head into this evening and overnight it's more of the same largely clear skies and staying dry too um, we'll probably see uh, temperatures drop to freezing in the rural spots in the sheltered spots in particular that's where we'll get a touch of frost into tomorrow morning holding in the towns at around two or three degrees so a chilly start just about everywhere to the day tomorrow and we'll see a very pretty day i think it's going to be very sunny we'll stay dry tomorrow top temperatures again nine degrees but the wind will be a touch lighter tomorrow so it will feel a bit more pleasant We'll start off the weekend with some frost and some fog, Ian. That's the forecast. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. Saturday afternoon always means live football here on BBC Three Counties Radio. Fantastic strike! And this week we'll bring you three more live games. Francois Zoko, who puts Stevenage ahead. In League One, Stevenage are at home to Rotherham. In League Two, Wickham hosts Cheltenham. And Wickham have taken the lead. It's a cracking head. And in the conference, Luton make the trip to struggling Chester. Jack stays down, Andre Gray into the top corner. Choose your team in Three Counties Sports, Saturday from 2, on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, here every weekday between six and nine. Now, I, I cannot believe it's a year. A year since a fire at a recycling yard in Hertfordshire. Residents and emergency services have raised fears about it happening again. The fire closed the M1 motorway at Potter's Crouch near St Albans, and hundreds of homes were left without electricity and water. Well, I know Justin Dealey went to the site of the fire a lot and took a, a personal interest in it. Justin, where are you now and who are you with? That's shocking, isn't it? A whole year. A I year. can't believe that. Incredible. Yeah. It's, uh, um, the site is just by Junction 8 of the motorway, the M1. Um, it caused so many problems for local people here last year. Joining me live now is Susan Slaughter, who's a, a nearby farmer. Susan, thanks for your time. You're live across Bedsarts and Bucks. Uh, just remind us how this fire affected you and your family last year. Uh, last year, when the fire started, we had no electricity, we had no water because our water mains run under the site and the fire brigade were using it to put the fire out. We lived in smoke for almost three months, which was drifting across the farm, uh, mostly at night. It was always seemed to be worse at night. Um, and we just couldn't sort of get on with our lives. I spoke to a number of people up and down this road who moved out because it was just a, a dreadful existence for you, wasn't it? It was, but having a farm, we couldn't move out because mm. we've got animals and you can't leave them, so we just had to stay there and grin and bear it. Now, the interesting thing is, uh, being back here this morning, as we look to our right-hand side, we are standing just a few metres away from this site, and I can still see that huge pile of wood, which is about 30 foot high, you did receive a notice saying this would be removed, but that's clearly not the case. No, I don't think any wood has been removed. The compost they've started to remove, but the wood was all supposed to have gone by the 22nd of October last this year, and it hasn't gone. Are you worried this could happen again? Yes, very worried, because it can combust, so it will all start off again. Okay, we have got a guest coming up with Ian Lee next, which I'm sure you want to listen to. So for the time being, I'll uh, hand you back to the studio. That was uh, Susan joining us live, Ian. We, I'm sure, and um, we're going to try and dig this out for a later show, Justin. I'm sure we had a member of the council on uh, in the studio who said, no, we're going to get rid of that wood, that wood is going. Mm. I'm sure we did. I mean, I'm fascinated because, you know, to be honest, I, I live locally, I live in Hemel Hempstead myself. I'm, uh, I'm often driving down this road and... Uh, I can't believe, from what I'm seeing, I'm, I'm no expert in this field, but from what I can see, it looks exactly the same as what it did last yeah. year. Obviously, without the flames, we had 30-foot flames last year, and it was incredibly hot in this area. We know about the problems, but that massive pile of wood, you can see it from the motorway. Listeners travelling on the motorway, we can still see it. It is still there. Justin, thank you very much indeed. Uh, listening to that is the local commander from Hearts Fire and Rescue, Ian Markwell. Good morning, Ian. Good morning. Uh, that wood should have gone by now, shouldn't it? Uh, we'd obviously like to see it removed, as it uh, does still pose as a risk. But uh, uh, the, the sort of question some of the points were raised there just now. But yes, it, it's still a risk. For Wh- which points would you question? Go on. Uh, I think the site is is far safer now than it was a year or so ago. There is a, a huge amount of material has been removed from site. It's unfortunate that the large pile of wood just by the entrance is is still there. Uh, but even that, I'd say, is is probably safer than it was a year ago. Well, a year ago, it was on fire in. <laughs> so it's, it's significantly it's safer. Far safer than it was a year ago now when it was on fire, but it's, uh, it's actually been far closely um, monitored, far more closely monitored than it was a year ago. There's the thermal image cameras being used on site, there's water misting systems being used whenever any, any of the material on site is being moved around, uh, and there's been a huge amount of work going on nationally as well with the, the Chief Fire Officers Association working with recycling industry to, to make these sorts of sites safer. 
There's a pile on there as well. I remember that the National Grid were concerned then. They've issued a statement saying, our concerns are based on the potential fire risk wood from the site poses to our tower and power lines. We are hopeful these concerns can be satisfactorily resolved and achieving this is a priority. Concern? Yes, yes, there certainly is a pylon that sits right in the middle of the site. That's been there for many years. Uh, and, and yes, that pylon is, is, is part of our concerns as well. And we, we would like to see the, the, the wood removed and, and hopefully be going fairly soon. Whose job is it to get rid of the, the wood? Uh, we don't actually have any legislative powers within the, the fire service to get that wood removed. That, that comes down to the Environment Agency and um, part of Hearts County Council with the, the, the Waste and Res- um, uh, Planning Mm. department but it's it's not actually our power to actually make that wood go away we apply pressure to various agencies and we're, we're still working with particularly the environment agency to get that wood removed the uh, the fire raged for for ages days and weeks uh, yep. last last year uh, do you know how much it cost the fire service to deal with that fire <clears throat> well, actually, cost-wise, um, we, we did do some costings at the end of it, but obviously most of the firefighters that were there dealing with it were whole-time firefighters that were on duty, so there wasn't really any additional cost in, in that respect to the, the taxpayer of the county. Um, I could go away and find those figures for you, but I'm afraid I haven't got those at hand. At the OK, moment. well, if you could find them for a later date, and that might be quite useful if you, if yeah, you no. jot them down in, in an email. Uh, uh, and you say there are, there are things happening now, in thermal imaging and water sprays. I'm guessing that will cost money. It's not enough, is it? We need to get rid of that wood pile or, or, or make it even safer somehow, don't we? Well, certainly we'd like to see the wood, wood, wood pile go. I mean, the, 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 what I've talked about there is the safety measures on site are actually being employed by the, the contractors right. that are there on site that aren't okay. being paid by, by us or by the taxpayer. That's, uh, that's something that the contractors that are now there on site, a completely different company that are, are, are removing all the material from site, are, are using. Uh, but, but certainly, yes, we would. We'd, we'd like to see the wood pile go, and, and that'll take away uh, any of our anxieties that all of us have uh, around this pile. Ian, I appreciate your time this morning. Always nice to talk. That's uh, the local commander from Hearts Fire and Rescue, uh, Ian Mark- Markwell. Well, Susan Slaughter, who's with Justin Dealey, was listening to that. Uh, the, Justin, what, what does Susan make of that? Yeah, Susan, your reaction, please. Um, well, we haven't seen any wood go. Um, all of the neighbours are, are watching, and nothing seems to be moving, only the compost. So still a great concern to you. You want this sorted out and quickly. Yes, please. Fingers crossed. There you go, Ian. That was uh, Susan joining us live. And, you know, as I say again, you know, as it looks on my left-hand side, it looks exactly the same mm. as what it did last year. Despite, you know, everybody talking about this, despite the concerns it could happen again, it looks exactly the same. What, I mean, one of the benefits, uh, and I'm, you know, the, trust me, one of the benefits in this fire uh, last year was that you got to go there every day and they had a little <laughs> wagon selling bacon <laughs> butties, didn't they? Yeah, do you know what last year is? You never looked so healthy. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about community spirit. I mean, th- th- this particular <laughs> roads here that th- there's not that many houses no. here so it's, it's a very close community anyway and susan will agree that that the community this time last year you, you really came together didn't you yes we did we tried what to do what we could to help everybody i had kept my neighbor's horses in my fields because she lived next door to the site and i kept them there till february what we need, Ian, is another story where I can go to, where I can get bacon buses every day. We'll, we'll Ideas see. most welcome. We will see what we can find, Justin. Thank you. And, uh, Susan, thank you very much. Indeed. 08459 455 555. Uh, on Facebook, talking about the uh, couple who are fined £150 each for dumping chip wrappers out of their car window in a uh, lay-by in Aylesbury. Um, Tammy says, not every lay-by has a bin, and where there are bins, they're often full. But that's no excuse. They could just as easily have taken their rubbish home with them. No need to throw it to the floor just for it to become a gourmet meal for any vermin in the area. Neil, Neil sums it up. We asked the question, is it fair they got this big fine? 
Seems fair. Neil's comment seems fair. And, and, and it does seem fair. I suggest the fine should be bigger. Tracy says, people always moan about cameras. If you're doing nothing wrong, then it's down to your conscience. They don't bother me at all. But when there's a child or person missing, they're a godsend in many cases. Um, and Daniel says, says mmm, chips. Thank you very much, Daniel, for your contribution uh, there. 08459 555555. Text 81333. Start your text 3CR. On the subject of John McCrick. Tone says John McCrook has a face that's best suited for radio. And Wakar says, Ian, it's a shame he lost his case. The man had character and was fun to listen to as well. Young and good looking, does it always make good viewing? Too many presenters on TV nowadays without any character and soul. Open to your thoughts, Wakar. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Listen, if people weren't allowed on television just because they were, were bad looking, I wouldn't have... Uh had uh, I wouldn't have had um, such a, an illustrious career. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call on that. Any sympathy for him? Don't we really? When we turn on the television, we've had a tough day at work. Kids have gotten our nerves. Life's hard. Bills. When you turn on the TV, you don't want to see fat old people. I've said it. You want to see attractive younger people, don't you? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. M25 clockwise is still slow between Junction 22 for St Albans and 25 for Enfield after an earlier lane closure and a breakdown. The M25 anti-clockwise is stop-start between Junction 21 for the M1 and 16 for the M40. Brickett Wood in the North Orbital is queuing at the M25 Junction 21A roundabout and the M40 northbound still slow from the A40 Denham roundabout heading up towards the M25. A1M southbound slow between 8 and 7 through Stevenage and Stevenage is busy on Hitchin Road and Broad hallway in both directions near the A1M. Public transport, London, Midlands, Southern and Victoria have delays of up to 30 minutes on all services, with some lines suspended. Um, things aren't expected to go back to normal until at least 9am. First Capitals Net and East Coast have delays of up to 15 minutes on services via Stevenage. This is Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much. Right, lots coming up in the next hour. John McCurrick, fly tipping... Third, who's the third party and who's the second party? I know, it's all very confusing. We'll do our best to muddle through. Here's the news with Barry. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8 o'clock, I'm Barry Caffrey. The headlines, poll shows people don't know about police and crime commissioners, warning to people littering across the three counties and international football returns to Milton Keynes tonight. BBC Three Counties Radio. A BBC poll to mark one year on from the election of police and crime commissioners has found a lack of awareness about them. 38% of people who responded did not even know they have commissioners in their area. Linda Darrell is the Divisional Manager for Victim Support in the Thames Valley, which includes Buckinghamshire. It takes a while for people to get used to, you know, new ways of accessing things. It's not surprising it's taken the public learn to, you know, time to learn about the PCC's role and their responsibilities. Essential equipment for British Red Cross workers in the Philippines is due to leave Stansted Airport this morning as part of the charity's response to the impact of Typhoon Haiyan. The special cargo flight is due to land in devastated Cebu City tomorrow. From Stansted, James Waterhouse reports. 
As the 747 aircraft waits to be loaded at this cargo terminal, vehicles, an electricity generator, tents, food and hygiene equipment are among the heavy cargo due to leave Stansted Airport at around 8.30 this morning. The supplies were loaded at a warehouse near Bristol earlier this week. The British Red Cross says they'll provide an emergency office and accommodation for a team of up to six aid workers. The charity sent a logistics team to establish a base at Cebu City on Sunday. A year since a fire at a recycling yard in Hertfordshire, residents and emergency services have raised fears about it happening again. The blaze closed the M1 motorway at Potter's Crouch near St Albans and hundreds of homes were left without water and electricity. Around 20,000 tonnes of wood is still being cleared from the site. Farmer Susan Slaughter says it affected them for months. This field where the horses lived was full of smoke. Um, it kept billowing over, especially at night. It was, seemed to be worse at night. Um, we lost our power, we lost our water, um, and it was just complete devastation, really. More than 120,000 journeys have been made on Luton's new guided busway in the first month of its operation, but the figures are more than 40% lower than what was initially predicted. A couple who were caught on a spy camera dumping fish and chip wrappers in a lay-by near Aylesbury have been fined more than £200. The local council used the footage from a hidden camera to trace the registered keeper of the vehicle through the DVLA. Councillor Howard Mordew is in charge of leisure at Aylesbury Vale District Council. He says dropping litter of any kind won't be tolerated. Yeah, with litter dropping and fly tipping is an ever-increasing problem and we would use whatever means is at our disposal. But it's actually done by a joint partnership between the, the district and the county. International football returns to Milton Keynes this evening as England under-21s take on Finland at Stadium MK. 17,000 tickets have been sold. There's full live commentary on the game tonight on BBC Three Counties Radio Frequency 104.5 FM and that's from half past seven. The weather, there'll be a few showers this morning, but it will become dry for the rest of the day with some sunny spells too. It will feel cold with maximum temperatures of 11 degrees Celsius. That's 52 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. We're coming to towns and villages all across our counties. We love the area. And of course, this little town centre so convenient to us. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. It is still a garden city. All this week in Welling Garden City. It's always been a lovely wide open spaces, beautiful grass verges. Local and vocal. The big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Here until nine o'clock when JVS comes in. Lots coming up on the show, including a new survey suggests 38% of you have no idea you have a police and crime commissioner. Is that true? A couple have been fined £150 each for chucking their chip wrappers in an Aylesbury lay-by. They were caught on hidden camera. Fair cop or dirty tactics? And a tribunal has found that John McCrick was sacked because of his attitude, not his age. Do you feel sorry for John McCrick? And really, wouldn't you rather see beautiful young people on television? 
Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Text 81333. Start your text 3CR or give me a call 08459 555555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, a text uh, on John McCrick. No one's phoned in in support of John Mc, however his name is spelt, because he's not relevant to horse racing. His style that emerged over the years became a bombastic characterization of a stereotype that he invented. Stop being bitter, John. Take the product and use it elsewhere in television. We've also been having a rather confusing conversation this morning. Uh, it, 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 imagine I wake up in my house, okay, and I've been attacked, okay? I inform the police, the police come, they find there is no evidence of a third party. Okay? So, I'm assuming I'm the first party. Who's the second party? John's in Sandy. John, can you explain this? Well, morning, Ian. Morning. Um, first, I think, I'm wrong. What it means is, the first party is obviously the person, the victim. Right. And the second party is actually the police. Because I think what they mean by it's all parties involved. Now, the third party, they don't actually know who was involved or if anyone was involved. So that's why I think they become the third party. But the police should be the third party because they're the third person to be involved with it. No, because the thing is, you're the victim, you're the first one. Right. You go to the police, right? You haven't gone to the victim, so the police then automatically come to the second party. The police then... We'll have to investigate it to make sure there was a third party. It's all to do with, I think, parties involved. But if, the, if there was a third party, then they would be the second party because they were the second party involved because they attacked me in my sleep. Yeah, but you don't know that. Well, I, well how do you explain me waking up with, with wounds? Well, could have been yourself done in your sleep or your wife didn't it's, it's, it's distinctly possible these days, John. Thank you very much indeed. Well, 08459 555 is the telephone number. It's, it's things like this that really ruin my life. Now, a year after their election, a BBC poll suggests 38% of people living in areas with police commissioners don't even know they exist. Well, let me help you out. If you're in Bedfordshire, it's Ollie Martins. David Lloyd is the PCC for Hertfordshire. And Thames Valleys is Anthony Stansfield. Although I couldn't tell you what I look like because he's denied every request to come on this show. Now, they all admit that they need to be more visible. I'd obviously like to be recognised more. I'm obviously not a big enough show-off. Um, but I have... Um, I cover 21 parliamentary constituencies, which is a huge area and two and a quarter million people. And it will take time. I can't do it overnight. Um, I think more people now recognise who I am and what I do. But you ask an awful lot of people who their local MP is, and they won't know that either. And there's a difference between people knowing what the role does and knowing what the face is. Uh, I'm delighted that some people uh, knew my name. Uh, I think it is important that people do get to know who their local police and crime commissioner is. I think that uh, we've made steady progress over the last year, and I think that's really very positive. Yeah, I mean, I understand that the BBC also carried out research to ask people if they knew what a police and crime commissioner was, and or whether they knew they existed, and 60% um, actually did know that they had a police and crime commissioner. So, you know, I think things are moving in the right direction. The next step is clearly for people to know who their police and crime commissioner actually is. Well, our reporter Justin Dealey has been speaking to people in Lucent and Hemel Hensid. Sadly, hardly anyone knew what PCC stood for, what they do, or the name of their local police and crime commissioner. Gerard, PCC, what does that term mean to you? I've forgotten. It's personal. I'm not quite sure. Sir, the name Ollie Martins... Does that mean anything to you at all? Never heard of it. Jerry. 
question for you. PCC, what does that stand for? Police and Crime Commissioner. You're the first person in an hour who knew that answer. So who is your local PCC? Um, Oliver something. Ollie, I don't know his... It's Ollie Martins. That'll be him, yeah. Do you care what he does? Um, I think he's a waste of money. I thought Chief Constable should be doing what he's doing, surely. So, David Lloyd, do you know who he is? Yeah, Tenny used to be a tennis player. He's a very wealthy man now, I believe. What about the other David Lloyd, who's your local PCC? No, don't even know him. So, this picture here of this man, he is your uh, local PCC for Hertfordshire. What do you think PCC stands for? Politically correct. Politically correct? Yeah. Police and Crime Commissioner was the correct answer. Was it? I don't know. (laughs) Do you you know what he does, this man here? No. Who do you think that handsome chap is then, madam? Ain't got a clue. That's your local PCC. Oh, is it? Do you care? No. The only place I thought that a commissioner was Gotham City. That that was it. (laughs) So, no, I wasn't aware of that at all. Well, listening to that is Bernard Ricks from Bedfordshire. He's an advisor to the police and has written several reports for the Home Office on policing. Good morning, Bernard. Good morning, Bernard. Uh, Good morning, Ian, I should say. I I have to say, listening to that um, um, piece by your reporter, I thought, to start with, they'd drawn drawn the short straw going out and talking about police and crime commissioners. But it was... uh, uh, They did a fantastic job in in getting that from all those people. it's, It's a little bit worrying, isn't it? But people don't know who their police and crime commissioner is. I don't think that matters so much. But it, it is important that people understand that they have a police and crime commissioner, particularly when um, they feel that the police haven't been um, acting in the way that they, they ought to. So um, victims of crime who feel that their case has not been dealt with in an appropriate manner, the police and crime commissioner ought to be somebody uh, that they go to. Um, and it's also also important in that the PCC, the Police and Crime Commissioner, is there to hold the Chief Constable and his or her force to account. And that's the, the primary mechanism that's, that's important here. And have they done that, Bernard? Have they held their Chief Constables to account? Well, I think, if I continue the metaphor, the, the jury's still out. It's one year in, and I think it's, it's entirely fair that certainly the first six months, every Police and Crime Commissioner was finding their feet um, the, the job is enormous. I don't think that there's a single person who could have all the, the skills and knowledge that's needed in the role. And they needed to put together their teams. They needed to understand what they were doing. I think now that we're one year in, um, actually, this, this coming year and uh, leading up the next two and a half years to the next election, the next election of PCCs, um, they need to demonstrate that they can make a positive difference. And we haven't seen that yet. So th- there's, there's no noticeable difference to policing under PCCs at the moment? Well, I think there, there is, but it's not, it's not yet driving out um, key improvements. And the, the, the positive elements relate to uh, some of the work that, for example, police and crime commissioners are doing on um, mental health, the, the way in which policing ought to be working more closely with other agencies. So, for example, um, a lot of, of, of policing activity relates to those with um, mental health issues. Uh, and uh, in, in many cases, those with mental health issues are, are uh, I think, wrongly detained in cells as their place of safety. And police and crime commissioners, not just in, in our region, but nationally, are doing some very good work on that. And I think that will become more apparent over the coming um, the coming months. Bernard, um, you've done research. Sorry to you've done research about how transparent PCCs have been. How how do ours fare in beds, hearts, and bucks? Well, in very broad terms, if if um, PCCs were football teams, two of them would be facing relegation. Um, the 
uh, Thames Valley one comes about uh, middle of the the pack. Um, Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire do considerably less well. It's important for a number of reasons. First of all, um, PCCs have a legal responsibility to be transparent. There are 25 factors um, that they ought to be publishing information on. Um, and uh, Bedfordshire and Hertfordshire in particular aren't doing anything like the, the level of, of uh, transparency. What kind of they, things aren't they telling us that perhaps they should be telling us? Well, a couple of areas that, that perhaps are more important. Um, one, for example, they have a responsibility to publish information on support that they're getting from their um, chief constable or from the local authority. Now, the reason that's important is that many PCCs have been saying that um, their offices actually cost less to run than the previous police authority. If they're actually getting support from the chief constable and his or her team or the local authority, um, in a, a time when the workload on PCCs is significantly higher than on police authorities, effectively they're, they're not comparing like with like. Effectively their um, team may not just be the people who work in the office of the police and crime commissioner, but they may have seconded others from the force and from the local authority. And it's important, therefore, to publish information. And that's precisely why that, that is a statutory responsibility, that they should be publishing information on that. PCCs, it, it, was it a good decision to get them, do you think, Bernard? I think yes. Um, I think there's still much to, uh, to learn. I, I think that the way in which the PCCs themselves, who are very powerful individuals, the ways in which they're held to account are somewhat weak at the moment. The, um, the panels that are there to hold them account, police and crime panels, um, still learning, um, are still finding their feet. I think some of the um, statutory powers that, that panels have need to be improved. But I think it's good that we have a single person or a person who is elected that um, we can all turn to if we need to uh, take issue with something that our police locally are doing. Bernard, very quickly, as a former judge, can I just go off on a slight tangent no, no, with you? not a former judge. Um, there are two Bernard Rixes in this room, oh. I think, and the other one's a oh. former judge. Oh, well, maybe, maybe you can still help. You're a very intelligent gentleman. Uh, if I get attacked in my sleep and I wake up and I call the police, the police come and they can't find any evidence of a third party. I'm assuming I'm the first party. Who's the second party? Well, I was listening to that earlier, and I have to say, I, it reminded me of a comedy routine by Abbott and Costello. I don't know if you remember it yourself. Who's, who's on, on first? first? What's on second? I don't uh, know who's on just, third. It's brilliant. The, Wonderful. The sketch, and I just don't know the answer to that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, and the answer is this, and it's very obvious. No. Bernard, you're a very good sport. It's always nice to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Let's find the other Bernard Ricks. Maybe he'll know. 08459 555. Bernard Ricks there uh, from Bedfordshire, an advisor to the police, written several reports for the Home Office on Policing and All Round Good Egg. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. M25 clockwise is very slow between Junction 22 for St Albans and 23 for the A1M. Anti-clockwise things are stop-start between 21 for the M1 and 16 for the M40. The M40 northbound slow from the A40 Denham roundabout heading towards the M25. The M1 southbound is also heavy between the Tonnington services and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. On the A1M southbound slow going through Stevenage from Junction 8 to 7. And in Stevenage it looks busy on Hitchin Road and Broadhall Way in both directions near the A1M. 
Looking on the speed sensors, Watford is heavy on the A411 around Estcourt Road. And on public transport, London, Midland and Southern have delays of up to 30 minutes on all services. Virgin Trains delays have now gone down to 10 minutes, so things might be starting to filter through with some solutions. They are expected until 9am though. First Capital Connect and East Coast normal service has resumed. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. Right, 8.17, it's Thursday the 14th of November, I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. One year on from the elections of police and crime commissioners, a poll carried out by the BBC shows 38% of people did not even know there were PCCs for their area. A couple have been fined £150 each for dumping fish and chip wrappers in a lay-by near Aylesbury. And in sport, international football returns to Milton Keynes this evening as England's under-21s take on Finland at Stadium MK. The weather, there'll be a few showers this morning, but it'll become dry for the rest of the day with some sunny spells too. Maximum temperatures of 11 degrees Celsius. BBC Three Counties Radio. BBC Three Counties Radio's Big Tour. Coming to towns and villages across beds, hearts and bucks as we bring you the three counties like never before. It's a huge trip celebrating all that's amazing about where we live. It's beautiful, especially on a day like today. All this week in Welling Garden City. We walk over the White Bridge and the vista is just fantastic. If you've got a story everyone should know about, let us tell everybody about it. Send us an email to 3cr at bbc.co.uk. Sherrod Woods, that's lovely. It's a lovely walking area as well as being so close to the town. BBC Three Counties Radio's big tour of beds, hearts and bucks. All this week in Welling Garden City. We moved up but we're not going to move again. Local and vocal. BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now... There is a very strong chance you could be listening to James Whale hosting this show next week, and the very reason that's happening is sat here opposite <laughs> oh, me. God, it's Jonathan I... Vernon-Smith, who has caused me to lose my voice. You came in... Hang on, this is a terrible slur. Well, I came in on Monday, admittedly, yes. I was feeling a little under the weather. Very poorly, very poorly. Scarf well, around your neck. Very poorly. Crawling in. I came in, I was a little on the husky side, but, you know, one day I burst it all out of me, had a good uh, hot Chinese takeaway... I expelled it all. Yes. You can't blame me for the fact that you're sounding like Barry White today. <laughs> oh, I can and I am. And I'm speaking to my legal team straight after this show <laughs> oh, to see God. what can be done. The hot Chinese... What, what, what Chinese did you have? What, what I had a beef and black bean sauce with green peppers. Mm. And I said to my nice lady there, I said, now look. Mm. I said, I'm feeling a little under the weather. I yeah. want it really hot. And when I say hot, I mean hot. Can you tolerate hot? Well, I did that night. Yeah. Yes. The later effects were somewhat uh, problematic. Thank you. Thank you very much. Save that filth for your show. But it worked. Yes. I might have to give it a go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just get them to put loads and loads of chilli in it. OK. You could have a Chinese takeaway tonight. I could do, couldn't I? It's a Thursday. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Live, Live on the little. edge. Live on the edge. <laughs> what would you have instead of beef, though? Being a vegetarian or whatever you are. I'd have... Um, um, I, know, I like the sweet and sours. Well, you're not going to get hot in that, are you? Oh, I need to have something hot. I yes. don't know. Hot, some hot veg, so hot vegetables. Uh, black bean sauce. You want to have it? Black bean sauce. That's exactly what I want to yeah. have. Yeah. Vegetable or mushrooms with black bean Mush- sauce? Mushrooms are uh, well, they're not technically a vegetable, but they count. Can you eat fish? No, I'm, it- a, veg- I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> 
Does it, fish don't count, though, do No, they? because the fish is not a vegetable. Fish is a, a living thing. Oh, but hardly. The people who eat uh, fish and say they're vegetarians are fraudsters. But a fish is really no more living than a carrot. Is it? A fish has got eyes, and it can make a noise. Make a noise? Oh, don't be silly. Carrots can't do that. They're pre- I mean, they're like goldfish, carrots. What? What on earth? Are you sure you're not still delirious? <laughs> are you up for doing a three-hour show? <laughs> they're like goldfish. They're, well, yes. They're, not, they're hardly living. They're fine. I mean, look, it's wow. cruel to cut a broccoli's head off, isn't it? No. Why not? I, I, I suspect. Tell us, listen, tell us what's on your show, then go and have a good lie down for the next 25 minutes, 35 minutes. Why? Because I think you're rambling, my dear. Oh. <laughs> you're talking more nonsense than you normally do. Really? Yes, and I've listened to you for a long time. Try, try a bit of fish. I've never had a prawn. Neither have I. Good. Don't like fish. <laughs> Coming up on this morning's big phone-in at nine, would you like to see John McCurrick back on your telly? Racing pundit John McCrurick has lost his age discrimination case against Channel 4. John spoke to me live from LA in October of last year and he believed passionately he'd been sacked because of his age. He was absolutely furious on that programme. Do you remember? Yes, I do. He was deeply hurt. However, the Employment Tribunal accepted the argument that he'd been sacked because of his persona, his style of dress his attitudes, his opinions, because he was seen as arrogant and confrontational. They said that he was irritating to the listeners. Is he just, sorry, who are they describing? You or d- d- no, John don't Crick? be beastly. No. A spokesperson for Channel 4 has told journalists the team is grateful for what John, John has done for their racing coverage, but disappointed he decided to take them to court. Mm. Well, John will be live on my show at nine o'clock this morning. We'll hear from him. How is he reacting to this news? But I want to hear from you as well. Will you miss him from your TV screen? Is he one of those English eccentrics that, frankly, we need on our TV screens? Or did you hate the sight of him? Did he make you feel sick? Are you very pleased that Channel 4 did boot him out because you won't have to watch him? 08459 455 555. Would you like to see John McCurrick back on the telly? It's the big phone in this morning from nine. Is my finger putting you off? No, no, it's fine today. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. <laughs> I'm going to press another button. Across beds, hearts, and bucks. Naughty JDS. Is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. On the subject of John McCrick, do you feel sorry for him, or would you rather see beautiful young men and women hosting television shows? Ken's in Luton. Good morning, Ken. Morning, Ian. What, would you feel sorry for him? I do. Why? Well, because he got because he got the push because the bookmakers didn't like what he said. Oh, why? Why did the bookmakers not like conspiracy theory here? Why did the bookmakers not like him? He used to say he used to call a spade a spade. He didn't beat around a bush like these others. Because Channel 4 used to rely on their advertising revenue. Yeah. And he, you would never have got six places to, for the Grand National if it weren't for people like John. I don't know what that means. I'm, I'm not really a horse racing person. Six places to the Grand National, what does that mean? That means to say, instead of getting the first three horses home and right. you winning on the first three, you win on the first six. Oh. So your horse can come six. Oh. They never used to like him because he he used to tell it how it is. He used to tell punters to go to where they get the best value and all this sort of thing. They, uh, they didn't. But the 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 but the the bookies and things like that they wouldn't have the power 
to get rid of John McCrick. It was a decision by the production company. If someone said to you, oh, if you don't get rid of it, Ian, uh, we'll cut our advertising revenue, they'd get rid of you. And that's the way it is. So it's not an age thing, though, then? You'd agree he wasn't sacked? No, it wasn't. No. It's, it's, he's had so many run-ins with bookmakers and everything else because he stood up for the punters. Like, when a horse don't start, he said, well, if it don't cover the first furlong, you, you should get your money back because you haven't had a race, have you? Oh. And they, they didn't like it. And I suppose the bookmakers turned around and said, well... If you don't get rid of him, we'll cut our advertising revenue. Kent, listen, do listen to JVS at nine o'clock because he's going to have John McCurrick on, and maybe you could call in and put that point uh, to John and see what he has to say. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Spy cameras catching people littering. What do you think? Step too far. A couple who were caught on camera dumping fish and chip wrappers in a lay-by near Aylesbury have been fined one hundred and fifty pounds each. The local council used the footage from the hidden camera in the village of Kingsey to trace the registered keeper of the vehicle through the DVLA. Well, Andy Walker is from Keep Britain Tidy. Morning, Andy. What do you think about hidden cameras? Is that a step too far? Good morning to you. I think the important thing to recognise here is that um, litter costs us an absolute fortune to clean up every year. Um, the, la- the, the last camps that we've done, it costs us around about a billion pounds for local authorities to, mm. um, to keep the streets clean. And, well, in the current climate, think about, well, in any climate, really, think about what that could be used for. Our calculations suggest that you could uh, fund 30,000 nurses with that uh, amount of money. So um, it's a real problem. It's not a victimless crime, and it is a crime at the end of the day. And if people are littering, then they should face the consequences. So you're, you're happy with hidden cameras recording people and then tracing them? Well, at the end of the day, you know, people get warned about the consequences of littering. You know, there are signs up all over the place about, you know, it's an offence and you will be fined. And at the end of the day, if local authorities think that that is a way to um, to reduce the incidence of littering and to encourage people to do the right thing, then at the end of the day, they know their own areas better than anyone else. And if it has an effect, then, you know, we think it's fair enough. It's not the only thing that you can use. Enforcement's a powerful tool. It's not the only thing that you can use to get people to do the right thing. You need uh, education. Um, you need to make sure that the uh, the right infrastructure is in place, the bins and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, it is an offence. And if people didn't drop a litter in the first place, then they won't get fined. Is there anything else we can do, Andy? But litters is one of my bugbears. I hate it. I, I, there is no excuse for chucking something out of your car or chucking it on the street. It really annoys me. But, but is there anything more we can do? I think um, it's about awareness raising. I think it's about people understanding what the cost is. And as I say, one of the things that we're very keen on highlighting at the moment to keep it tidy is that billion-pound cost that it does, um, that, that is incurred by uh, local authorities across the country. But people won't, it, people won't identify with, with that, will they? The young lad that chucks a packet of uh, crisps on the floor or the, the woman that puts a cigarette butt, uh, butt out on the floor, that, they won't, that, that billion pounds is just too fantastical for them, isn't it? Well, it might be too fantastical on, you know, when you look at it as a, as a global figure, but what we are finding is that local authorities are breaking that um, figure down. This coming weekend... Um, a lot of local authorities are conducting a number of social experiments, as we call them, with ourselves, whereby they're not cleaning the street for 24 hours. 
And we did this um, a few weeks ago, and it was featured on Panorama, and it showed, you know, the, you know, the absolute sort of effect of um, litter on our streets. And when people see that, they think, good grief. I didn't realise that, you know, my apparent innocent act in dropping a crisp packet on the floor is having such an effect. So I think awareness raising and showing people the direct effects of their behaviour is, uh, is, uh, is an important thing to do. But equally, if we look where we live, why are we dropping bits of paper? Why are we dropping crisp packets? Why are we dropping um, uh, coffee cups on the floor? Because it, it really isn't the way that we should be going. And at the end of the day, if litter attracts litter, and it does, um, and, and, and I know that the uh, you know the uh, you know the, the news item that you're lo- you know looking at today about local authority have used those cameras. They have direct evidence that litter does actually lead to other social problems. People are less likely to go and visit an area. People look at an area that's got litter and think, "Oh, I'm not going to go there." It, it, it's not just about the litter; it's the wider issue as well. And I think we all have a responsibility not to litter. Andy, thanks very much. Nice to talk to you, Andy Walker, from Keep Britain Tidy. It's a good point. We all have a responsibility not to litter, yet so many people do it. 08459 455555. It's 830 exactly. Here's the travel news now with Alice. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Can start with some good news now. On the public transport, those earlier problems have been resolved on London, Midlands and Southern. There are residual delays that can be still expected. That's on services from Milton Keynes into London, but it is improving. Virgin trains still have those delays of about 10 minutes possible. On the roads, M25 clockwise is very slow between 22 for St Albans and 23 for the A1M. Anti-clockwise, things are stop-start between 21 for the M1 and 16 for the M40. M1 southbound, heavy between the Toddington services and Junction 7 for Hemel Hempstead and the A1M is still looking slow southbound through Stevenage between Junction 8 and 7. In Barnet, Wellhouse Lane is uh, blocked by a fallen tree just outside the hospital. That's affecting both directions and the bus route 384. In North Watford, the A41 is slow at the Dome Roundabout. This is Alice Glossop, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Half past eight, I'm Barry Caffrey. The headlines, a BBC poll to mark one year on from the election of police and crime commissioners has found a lack of awareness about them. 38% of people who responded did not even know they have commissioners in their area. Essential equipment for British Red Cross workers in the Philippines is due to leave Stansted Airport this morning as part of the charity's response to the impact of Typhoon Haiyan. The special cargo flight is due to land in devastated Cebu City tomorrow. More than 120,000 journeys have been made on Luton's new guided busway in the first month of its operation. The figures are more than 40% lower than what was initially predicted. A couple who were caught on a spy camera dumping fish and chip wrappers in a lay-by near Aylesbury have been fined more than £200. The local council used the footage from a hidden camera to trace the registered keeper of the vehicle through the DVLA. And the weather, there'll be a few showers this morning, but it will become dry for the rest of the day with some sunny spells too. It will feel cold, maximum temperatures of 11 degrees Celsius. That's 52 degrees Fahrenheit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. International football returns to Milton Keynes this evening as England under-21s take on Finland at Stadium MK. Simon Oxley looks ahead. 
It's the third time England have played an under-21 international at Stadium MK and over 17,000 tickets have been sold for tonight's game. Gareth Southgate's squad includes Watford keeper Jonathan Bond, former Hornets loanee Nathaniel Chalabar and Thomas Inns, son of the former MK Dons manager Paul Inns. Other names to watch out for are Manchester United's Wilfred Zahar and Liverpool's Raheem Sterling. Well, there'll be full live commentary from Stadium MK this evening on 104.5 FM. That's from half past seven and also via the BBC Sport website. England are 302 for five at Stumps on day two of their tour match against an Australia Invitational 11. The hosts were dismissed for 304 runs. The BBC's cricket correspondent, Jonathan Agnew, reports from Sydney. This opposition is not of the highest quality, but England did all they could, with the exception of Carberry, who was dismissed, caught behind for only four. Cook and Trot both made straightforward 80s and were equally cross at missing out on what appeared to be certain hundreds. Bell scored 35, and after he'd reached 50, Peterson hit out and was caught in the deep. I don't think he'll be losing any sleep. Finn took three of the five wickets to fall for just 33 runs in the morning, which must increase his chances of playing in the first test. He was still rather expensive and finished with five 103, making Broads 4 for 37 by far the superior performance. Rugby and the fly half Dan Carter will become the fifth All Black in history to win 100 caps after being named in New Zealand's starting 15 to face England this Saturday. And London 2012 Olympic gold medalist Etienne Stott is to be presented with an honorary degree by the University of Bedfordshire. The slalom canoeist, along with his canoeing partner Tim Bailey, became the first Briton to achieve an Olympic gold in the sport. Stott will receive his honorary Doctor of Science on the 22nd of November. BBC Three Counties Radio News and Sport. I'll be back with a full bulletin at nine. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee. It's, it's slalom. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Someone's got to tell him, it'll be me. It's slalom. 08459 455 555. The last 25 minutes of the show, we'll be talking more about John McCrerick, we'll be talking about third and first and second persons, and we'll be talking about chips. And we'll be talking about PCCs and other stuff as well, litter, and there's more stuff. There's lots of stuff. Let's just crack on, shall we? Mary's in Hemel. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Ian. PCCs. Uh, do, do, do you know who your PCC is? Yes, I did know, uh, right from the beginning, but uh, I thought Ollie Moulton was uh, the singer. Uh, oh, really? Well, I keep on... I thought he was that Ollie Murs. Oh, Ollie... He's good, that Ollie Murs, isn't he? Well, I just keep on hearing this Ollie whatever, and I, I think... And I can't see, couldn't see the connection. Never mind. And John McCrerick, very sad he's going. There aren't many characters on the radio or TV now. Do you like, do you like Holly, Ma- uh, Holly Moors? Yes, I do. Singer. <laughs> do you like this one? Army of Two? Waiting for a lover. Da-da, give it to another. I like Ollie Murs. I don't want to hear you singing. Oh, oh, oh how rude, Mary. How rude. Oh, be quiet. You've got a bad throat. I have got a very bad throat. I need to rest it. Otherwise, James Whale will be taking my place. And we wouldn't want that, would we, Mary? <laughs> would we? I don't know. Oh, no. Oh, that's not Mary, right. I'm not going to say. Uh, but I, I, rude. Anyway, I like Ollie Murs, but I really thought the PCC was... Ollie Moores. Wouldn't it be, you know, that Ollie Moores was the guy that almost bankrupted Luton by, by playing a concert that no one went to. Uh, quickly on John McCrick, Mary. Well, will you miss him? He's a, he, I, I've worked with him. He's a very nice bloke. But it, it's time for him to move on, isn't it? Enjoy his retirement. Well, 
well, if you've got it, still got it, why not flaunt it? I mean, as I said, there's not many characters on the radio TV now, are they? If you're a bit eccentric, you don't fit into the grey shape and you go. Don't you want to, I don't know how old you are, Mary. You sound about 33. Don't you? I wish I'm uh, 76. Are you really? Well, that's, this is a surprise. I've heard you for, for a year and I thought, anyway. Don't you want to see beautiful young people on television? <coughs> well, there are a lot of those. Let's have, just occasionally, somebody a little bit different. Mary, thank you very much. We need the Saga channel. Have Saga got a channel? If not, then the John McCrick, Michael Aspel, Michael Parkinson, Mike Yarwood. Is, is Mike Yarwood still alive? Don't know. Mike Yarwood, is he still alive? I think he may have died. Peter's in Wolverton. Morning, Peter. Good morning, Ian. Is Mike Yarwood still alive? Uh, I don't know, but... Uh, uh, not having a television, I don't even know who Mike Yarwood is. Whoa, hang on a second. When did you get rid of your TV? Uh, 1990. Well, then, then you would have been aware. Mike Yarwood was an impressionist in the 1970s. Ah. He used yes. to do Harold Wilson, uh, and then at the end oh, of the I show... I remember the Harold Wilson, yeah. the, the Gannix Mac and all the rest yes. of Yes, and then at the end of the show, he'd go, and this is me. Yeah. And then it would end. I want to go 08459 455 555. Mike, Mike Yarwood, is he alive or dead? Uh, Peter, talking about litter, what would you like to say about these two people who were fined £150 each for, for throwing some chip wrappers out in a lay-by? Uh, the fine wasn't enough um, because we need a real deterrent to these people that throw their rubbish out of their cars and people that go along uh, deserted country roads and empty out lorry loads of material, etc., 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 um, my wife and I, we're out and about uh, most days and we take our picnic with us and we bring everything back. Mm. We, don't, we don't leave anything behind and it really irks us to see that wherever we've parked, there is the usual junk, wrappers and cigarette papers, etc., etc., etc. Our favourite place is Dunstable Downs where we get veggie burger and chips from uh, a chap just down the road and we sit there for an hour enjoying the view but really... You look around and there's all the litter. It is so annoying. There is no excuse for it, is there, at all? None at all. None whatsoever. We we have a camper van and we uh, camp here, there and all over the place. And on occasions uh, where we've decided to park, we've actually cleared up the litter, put it in a bag and taken it away Mm. um, before we've parked so that we don't get the blame for it. Good for you. Well done. Peter, thank you for that. It, it, It does... It's one of those those crimes. It is a crime. Well, there's, there's just literally no excuse for it at all. Why would anyone want to do it? Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. We've been talking rather confusedly about first person, first party, second party, third party. Okay, it, it, it struck me yesterday, and I don't want to dwell too much on this story, but this is where it, it confused me in the car. The talk of this young gentleman who was found um, dead in a bag. Uh, in his flat. He was referred to as the first party by a police officer in Five Live yesterday. The police said there was no evidence of a third party. That would be the, the baddie, the person who would have committed uh, a, a murderous act. So who's the second party? This, uh, and Catherine, I, when I mentioned it to you, I thought you'd laugh at me. No. And say, oh, you, you silly sausage, it's this. But you're confused as well. I am, and I consider myself a fairly intelligent person. And I've studied languages. You have studied languages. But... 
I couldn't answer it, what? so I brought out the big guns. Who, what, what big guns have you got? Fiona McPherson, who's the senior editor of the Oxford English Dictionary. Oh, Fiona McPherson, thank you for joining us this morning. You're very welcome. Does, does, what I'm, does the question I'm posing make sense? Yes, I'd never have really thought about it, and, and yes, it does. And um, while I'm not 100% sure I know the exact answer, we have, I have a plausible answer, which makes sense. OK, give us your so plausible answer, that. yes. Well, I think um, the, the whole this terminology began in law. So you had the first and second parties being whoever, you know, the, the main person, say, being accused of something or whatever, and yes. the law as the second party. And then that uh. got carried over into the sort of insurance realm. So if I drive into a tree, I'm the first party, and the second party would be my insurance company or whoever's insuring me. If I drive into somebody else, they become the third party with the first and second parties still being the same. And I think it's just really carried over into more general language to mean another agency, somebody else, as so you said. if I, if I uh, believe I've been attacked in my home, I'm the first party. Yes. The third party would be any potential perpetrator of that attack. I would think so, yes. And the police would be the second party. Well, I don't know, not oh. necessarily. I mean, I'm not sure. They might be, but I think really it's just become generalised and used now to mean a n other person without necessarily right. there having to be uh, parties one, two and three, if you see what I mean. It, it, it must be fun doing your job. It is quite fun and you get unexpected questions at, you know, <laughs> 8.40 in the morning. So. Listen, I appreciate you coming on. You've been, you've, been a, you've been a very, very good sport. Are you the person that has to decide which words, new words, go into the dictionary? I'm one of them, yeah, but that is part of my job, yeah. Is there a team of you? Do you kind of have you know dinners where you sit around going, right, how about this one, twerking? Anyone? Um, I wish it was, it was as civilised as that. Um, there is a team, um, but we, we have such sort of uh, strong criteria and guidelines right. written um, down that um, we each make um, the decisions, but it's based on whether there's evidence for it. So, okay. it, 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 And we don't, sadly, we don't sit around debating and, no. and getting into fights about it either. And is, is twerking in the dictionary? Um, it's in, twerk is in one of our dictionaries. It's not yet in the OED, which is the right. historical dictionary that I work on, but it is in right. um, some of our smaller current, in, current English dictionaries, yes. Absolutely fascinating. Fiona, thank you for being such a good sport, and You're hopefully we can talk again. Very welcome, I'd love that. Thank you very much indeed. Well, wasn't she good? Fiona McPherson. Senior editor of the Oxford English Dictionary. Well done, Catherine. That's a, that's a good booking. Class booking. She didn't know the answer. <laughs> suddenly, I don't... Suddenly, when this occurred to me yesterday, I was driving in my car, putting down the M1, and uh, I felt really, really stupid for not knowing this. Really stupid. And I thought, oh, this is a huge gap in my education. I was umming and ahhing about whether I should mention it on the radio. I thought that, that Catherine, or you, dear listener, would, would laugh at me. I knew Kelly wouldn't. Um, but I thought that you would laugh at me and say, oh, you're so stupid. Turns out I'm an intellectual giant. I ask the kind of philosophical, spiritual and intellectual questions that no one else dare do. I'm an intellectual Nick Ferrari in that I ask what everybody else is thinking, but I'm not you know, a little bit bigoted. I don't think anyone else was thinking that. No, though. because they haven't got the... They, they have not developed enough as a spirit to have, <laughs> to have reached that question. But in Buddhism, I think you have eight cycles. And then you go on to Nirvana, okay? So you, you, come, you come back eight times. So some, a little bit less for some people, maybe a bit more for some people. You have eight cycles, then you move on to... What, what stage is newt? Well, you, that's like one. Right. right. Well, it could be, that could be four or five. It depends where you we need to be. We don't know how intelligent newts are, really, do we? I'm, st- I'm, probably, I'm probably... I was thinking I'm a stage six. I'm, I'm possibly a stage seven. 
after that? I think this is it. I think this is the last, my last time on this planet, and then I go off to Nirvana. I'll see oh, you in a few hundred. That'd be a loss for the world. <laughs> I'll see you in a few hundred years, Kath. <laughs> it's probably a stage two. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. There you go, you see. Uh, the last 15 minutes of the show, we'll be talking uh, more about litter, uh, more about PCCs. And uh, John McCrick, as we, we ease into uh, Jonathan's show, who's also talking about John McCrick, will you miss him from your television? Do you feel sorry for him? Don't you agree with me that when you turn on the television after a tough day at work, pondering things such as uh, the first, second and third parties, the kids have gone to bed and they've been getting on your nerves. They've been really naughty. When you turn on the television, you don't want to see... Fat old people. I'm saying it quickly, but it's, it's true. You, do you? You want to see beautiful, young, attractive people, don't you? Don't you? You do know that you're making a prescription for really bland television. What's bland about Vernon Kay and Holly Willoughby? I OK, right, yes. But still, bland is the new rock and roll. Are you on telly still? Um, How old are you? Well, How much do you weigh? Now, steady. The, the thing is, whoa, whoa. I reckon next year is going to be my year. Oh, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. N25 clockwise is very slow between Junction 22 for St Albans and 23 for A1M. Um, Anti-clockwise things are stop-start between Junction 21 for the M1 and 16 for the M40. M1 southbound still looking a little bit slow between the Toddington services and 7 for Hemel Hempstead. A1M southbound still slow between um, Junction 8 and 7 through Stevenage. And the A1 Barnet bypass southbound. There are reports that a lane is blocked because of a breakdown between Borenwood and Stirling Corner. Also on Wellhouse Lane, that's blocked by a fallen tree just outside the hospital which is affecting both directions and the bus route 384. On public transport, London, Midland and Southern um, the earlier problems have been resolved but residual days, uh, delays sorry, of up to 30 minutes can be expected. That's on services from Milton Keynes into London. Virgin trains also have delays on that route of up to 10 minutes. This is Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Alice, thank you very much indeed. Right, it's 8.46, it's Thursday the 14th of November. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A BBC poll to mark one year on from the election of police and crime commissioners has found a lack of awareness about them. A couple who were caught on a spy camera dumping fish and chip wrappers in a lay-by near Aylesbury have been fined more than £200. In sport, England's under-21s play Finland at Stadium MK this evening. Full commentary from half-past seven on our 104.5 FM frequency. Talking more about litter after we get the latest weather, with Elizabeth Rizzini. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Hello, a very good morning to you. We might just catch one or two showers a little bit later on through the morning into the first part of the afternoon, particularly across parts of Buckinghamshire. But I think most places are going to stay dry and we'll see some good spells of brightness and sunshine. The only thing is we've got this rather chilly and fairly brisk northwesterly wind that's making it feel a bit cooler than the temperatures would otherwise suggest. So uh, despite the sunshine, feeling quite chilly, particularly more exposed areas. Top temperatures today up to 8 or 9 degrees. That's uh, sorry, 48 in Farrah. Overnight tonight, we can expect to see a frost for quite a few of us, actually, uh, particularly in the sheltered spots. Uh, temperatures dropping to freezing in rural parts, holding at around two or three degrees in many of the towns. We'll see the winds fall a lot lighter. Tomorrow, very chilly start then, lots of sunshine around, not too much in the way of cloud. Highs of nine degrees, lighter winds and frost and fog to start the weekend. That's the forecast. 
children in need across beds, hearts and bucks. My name's Sue Barnes and I'm the director at Tile House Counselling. We have two centres in Hitchin for women and young people, both uh, are counselling centres. We work integratively, which means we work in a person-centred and psychodynamic way. So we look at how past experiences are affecting the present and help young people to work through those experiences and deal with life in a better way. Children in Need has paid for 14 counselling sessions a week um, for children with mental health problems, emotional difficulties, um, and that pays our counsellors' session fees. I mean, if we didn't have that money, we'd be providing 14 less a week, which would be a terrible shame, given the demand. We've always got a waiting list of anything between 25 and 30. My experience of children in need is that they are incredibly careful about where they put their money, and I think that's exceptionally important. And so we feel very confident that they're putting money where it's needed. To find out how you can help local causes like this, go to bbc.co.uk slash pudsey. Right, the last uh, ten minutes of the show. Apparently it's Jonathan Vernon Smith's birthday today. He kept that one under his hat, didn't he? Didn't he? I've had to, I've found out from the internet, from a social network, Twitter. Uh, last ten minutes of the show. John McCurick, do you feel sorry for him? Um, wouldn't you rather see attractive young people on television? We're also talking about litter. We're talking about loads of stuff. Let's see. Colin's in Dunstable. Good morning, Colin. Morning. Colin, what would you like to say? Um... Well, it's a bit embarrassing, really. Hey, listen, we're friends. Don't be embarrassed. You can say anything you want. We're not friends. Uh, until you arrived at Three Counties, I'd never heard of you. Ah. Oh. And I was asking, um, Catherine, um, what you were on on telly. Oh. oh. And what did Catherine say? Um, the 11 o'clock show. Yes. I'd not heard. Oh. Mm. OK. Did you ever... OK, let's go through the CV, shall we? This is always my favourite thing to do. Oh, go on, then. Yeah. Uh, 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 rise. Who? OK. Um, oh, I've been on this morning. Have you seen this morning? Oh, about 20 million years ago. Yeah, OK. Uh, thanks for this, Catherine. This is only vaguely... Uh, this is what, when, when people stop me in the street and, and um, uh, they go, I know you from oh, somewhere. Oh, are you him? Are you him? They say, uh, what do I know you from? Richard Bacon. I, I, I did tell someone I was Richard Bacon the other day, and they said, oh, nice to meet you. They always go, so what, what programme are you from? Emmerdale. I'm not Marlon. Kelly, you keep out of this. Mm. Marlon well, Dingle. You, I was nine when... You were nine when I was on television, <laughs> Kelly Betts. <laughs> Nothing you would know of, Colin. Oh, right. I used to be a mover and a shaker, and now I'm, I'm just a... a, 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 a man. A oh, busy money maker. Right, OK. C- c- right, can you all just go away? <laughs> Oh, Colin's just dis- disintegrated. <laughs> what happened there? Someone added water to him and he dissolved. Wow. Great noise. <laughs> Thank you, Colin. Mick's in Milton Keynes. Good morning, Mick. Uh, good morning. You- you've not called up to be rude, have you? No, no, no. Excellent. We like, we like nice respect here. What, 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 what have you called in to say? Uh, about the fly tipping. I agree with these people getting uh, penalised for it. Yes. But around Milton Keynes, we've got people uh, going around with their mobile homes pulling upside the road, fields, everywhere, dumping rubbish and then driving off and nothing's done about it. Oh. Uh, in one particular field, these big refuge lorries, they completely filled it with rubbish and they was only there for a couple of weeks. But it's not just travellers or anything. It, it, it's, it's, I was going to say ordinary people, that's right. It, it's, it's everyone is responsible for this, aren't they? Well, I've been out with my dog this morning and where I went... There were two caravans, and um, they were travelling people, and there was no rubbish there before, 
the people have disappeared uh, sometime yesterday and there is rubbish le left there. The police called down there last week, just had a look and drove off. So someone's got to go down there now at Milton Keynes taxpayers' expense to pay for the rubbish to be cleared up. And what kind of rubbish has been left there? Well, bag just bags of rubbish. And just general litter. Why, why don't you get together a small community group to go down there and do it? Then it wouldn't cost the taxpayer anything. Why should I go cleaning up other people's ah, rubbish? Ah, and I think this is part of the, uh, the, part of the problem. Because it's, it's your area. It's, it's, yeah, our, it's, our, it's, it's our area. I pick up rubbish in my street. But in this field, which they were close to them, yeah. as I just said, there was a complete uh, skip, one of these big lorries, yeah. full of rubbish. Yeah. How many times it would, if I took my trailer down there, clearing up that rubbish? Well, you've got a trailer as well. I've got a trailer, yeah. Oh, it makes it even, you, you're more, even more of a perfect candidate. Yeah, you know what you can go and do? You haven't got pride in your local community? I've got pride in my local community, but when the authorities won't penalise these people, but they penalise the people for throwing a chip bag in the road and rubbish like that, which I agree with, why can't they penalise these people? But why don't... What is, I think this might be part of the problem. I'm glad you brought this up, Mick. Isn't part of the problem our attitude as society towards our local environment. We should take pride in, uh, uh, in our environment. And if you went and filled your trailer up, A, it would look better, B, you'd feel fantastic. Um, I could ask you a question, but it would be a bit rude if it came out. But, Try and phrase okay. it so it's not rude. Um, would you believe in wiping your kids' backsides at 15? Um, um, not unless there was a, a, re a medical reason. No. I mean, why I wouldn't should, do it. Why I should I go around cleaning up rubbish from adults that are travelling the country, just leaving rubbish everywhere? In one particular area, they dumped asbestos. Right. Well, you don't want to pick up the asbestos, but I, can I can I make a That's, suggestion, Mick? It's cost Milton Keynes Council, which us taxpayers are paying, £41,000 for six months. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Do you like being angry? This annoys me, there's rubbish being done. Do, do you like being angry? Because no. some people do like being angry. They thrive on it. And I'm kind of getting, you enjoy... If I've got this wrong, I apologise. It, it feels like you enjoy being a little bit wound up about people. And, and travellers and their rubbish is a, is, a, is a great thing to be wound up about because not many people would disagree with you. Uh, and that you're actually enjoying being wound up. When there is a, a possible solution of you going and filling up your trailer, but you'd rather, you'd rather be angry than have a feeling of satisfaction no, and community spirit. I'm not angry about that. It's, I'm annoyed that the authorities won't do nothing about penalising these people that dump the rubbish there and just drive off. Mick, say hello to Nancy. Hello. Yes, hello, Mick. I'm a gypsy, and you can't just judge everyone because I, you've I didn't, I didn't say that. Yeah, and I, why, are you, why are you referring to us as these people? I, I said some travellers. No, 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 you re keep referring to us as these people. You sound quite miserable, to be quite honest. All right, it's me, then. You know, it's not all gypsies that do it. You, you can't just, you know, I look in the papers and the majority of rapes, murderers, child molesters, they're your sort of people, you well, know, like, like what we call gorgeous. But I can't just dis all gorgeous and say, oh, no, I don't want to talk to them because I've heard one's a murderer, one's a rapist, right. one's a nonce. In this particular field, yes, there was first about 30 caravans, and they mm -hmm. all left rubbish there. There was no rubbish left there before that. Was it your land? 
No, it wasn't my bit of let, let him finish his point, Nancy. Go on, go on, Mick. There was, there was no rubbish there left before that. I agree people from the public could have gone, gone and helped and dumped rubbish there. I agree with that. But after these people moved out with their uh, caravans, um, Milton Keynes had to go in there and clean it all out. Mm-hmm. Um, where these two travellers were up till they'd been there for about a week and a half, there'd been no rubbish there before. They drove away sometime yesterday, and this morning the rubbish lay there, and there's no travellers there. Nancy, your response? Well, the police don't just let us, you know, us people, as you refer to. It makes us sound like we're specials. The police don't just let us get away with blue murder. You're saying these people, why are they not, you know, being held responsible? But those two people that threw um, chip wrappers out, they was. It don't matter if it's a chip wrapper or a juggernaut full of rubbish. You shouldn't throw rubbish. I live in a house. I live in a house, and I've had people from your community twice dump a sofa and a fridge out the front of my place, and I saw them do it. She's got a point, Mickey. It, it, yeah. is, it is people from all different communities that, that, yeah. that, that fly tip and dump rubbish and chuck chip wrappers out of their... their cars. It's a little unfair, isn't it, to, to, to pick on one group? But what I'm asking is, up till... Um a week and a half ago, there was no rubbish dumped. No, we know, we know that the, rub, the rubbish is there, and this is you're saying this has come from a group of travellers. But r- rubbish and litter not is all, left. Not all travellers are the same. No, not all travellers are the same, and, and and rubbish and litter is left by people who aren't travellers as well. Yeah. So, uh, 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 but yet you, you you'd rather be a little bit grumpy, shall we say, than no. than, than go and help. No. Maybe it is a thought, Mick. You know, we, you know, us people, we're just like normal. We're just like you people. I, I, I Maybe you should have drove in there and said, "Look, it's, you know, it's getting a bit messy yeah. down here, boys." Yeah. It can, can be a bit intimidating, though, can't it, Nancy? To to, to go up to you know a, a group of caravans, knock on the door, and say, "Excuse me, but are you going to tidy this mess up?" No, not really, because I, I've been on a council estate. I've lived on a council estate where I've had to go and knock on people's doors because they're playing music. There's like five or six of them there. They've got Rockwellers. They, they're drinking beer. But, you know, I just think, what's the worst thing can happen? If I'm being civil and nice to them and asking them to tone it down a bit, what is the worst thing that can happen? Nancy, listen, we have to end it there. Thank you very much, uh, Nancy, who is a gypsy, and uh, Mick in Milton Keynes. Thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, sorry, Howard. Sorry, Sean. Not got time for you today. Maybe we'll uh, be able to speak to you tomorrow. That's it. That's your lot. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now. Here's Alice Glossop. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. M25 clockwise, still slow between Junction 22 for St Albans and 23 for the A1M. It's also slow anti-clockwise between Junction 21 for the M1 and 20 for Kings Langley. Struggling as well between Junction 18 for Chorleywood and 16 for the M40. The A1M southbound is still slow between 8 and 7 through Stevenage. In Royston, the A505 southbound is partially blocked because of an accident with congestion to the A10. Thank you to Mike for phoning that in. And on the A1 Barnet Bypass southbound, there are reports that a lane is blocked because of a breakdown between Boreham Wood and Stirling Corner. On public transport, London, Midland and Southern still have residual delays of up to 30 minutes on services from Milton Keynes into London and Virgin Trains have delays of up to 10 minutes on those services into London from around Milton Keynes. This is Alice Gloss at BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Alice. Very quickly, Cathy has tweeted me, Ian, you are totally out of order, read the gentleman who phoned in about rubbish being dumped by gypsies. Hashtag get in the real world. I'm not quite sure what that means. Right, anyway, I'm off back tomorrow at six. Up now, it's birthday boy. 
Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JBS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Thursday... It's nine o'clock and on today's big phone-in, would you like to see John McCrurick back on the telly? Racing pundit John McCrurick has lost his age discrimination.